Today's episode of the Black Flag Podcast is brought to you by Evan Orvath of Solero Commerce. We're coming to you live from the Solero Commerce compound as always. They've been with us since the very beginning. If you own a small business that accepts debit or credit cards, you gotta check them out. Contact Evan Orvath or get in touch with one of us and we'll get you a free second opinion on your current merchant service provider. Today's episode is also brought to you by PlanBSales.com and CircleBDieCast.com. If you're looking for any diecasts or any other NASCAR memorabilia, be sure to check them out. Use promo code BFP123 for free shipping on orders over $20. Brad Keselowski is going to be shown the black flag. It's the Black Flag Podcast. Every fucking week. Fuck, I hate my fucking job. Race analysis. Yeah, we're only girls pull hair, so. Maggie forgets it. If they changed the rules and took the champion's provisional away, he wouldn't have been able to race the last two years, so. Uh, Occasional alcohol consumption. Jimmy Johnson is on pit road because I think he's the leader. And calling people on their shit. It refrains me from not beating the shit out of you right now because you ask me stupid questions. This week's Black Flag Podcast is now in session. Hey, we had some out we beat him so it's all good uh, what did you just do <laughs> I just rifle the chair <laughs> off the wall <laughs> good good yeah. so just a patch i'll have to think it's fine uh all right boys and girls this is episode 134 of the black flag podcast uh as always i am charlie sanborn at c sanborn iii you are bradley saucer at b sauce 96 together we are at Black Flag Pod on all things social media. That's an Instagram account. That's a Twitter account. That's a Facebook account. But more importantly, that is on the Patreon app. So head on over there to wherever you get your apps from. Look up Patreon. Then look up the Black Flag Podcast. That gets you merchandise discounts, some exclusive content, and uh, uh, runnings for drawings and all sorts of cool shit. So uh, do that right now. But we are fresh off of another uh, tour to NASCAR is here from, from all over New England. Uh, Thursday, we wrapped up the midweek series at Beach Ridge Motor Speedway. Uh, all sorts of people there for, for essentially what very well may could have been the, the last Thursday thunder, um, where, where we had basically just the, the stars and cars of the, the midweek program where you had your four cylinder trucks, you had your bang, bang race cars, you had your shit boxes, you had all sorts of cool stuff. And you uh, had a couple, two, three more divisions of bang, bang race cars. Yeah. Yeah. We had, we had all sorts of cool stuff and we, we were in the bar, uh, just being fans and, you know, turn five tavern was uh, quite the place to be. A Thursday night. Yeah, I'm only a fan usually in general. Um, only fans uh, trademarked. But uh, yeah, we had a great time. The uh, I'm surprised that they didn't run out of beer with the amount of people that were in there. That was like, uh, it was very nostalgic to drive into the parking lot. So I was, uh, I got out of work and uh, showed up to Beatridge about an hour before everything started. And um, now back in the day, an hour before everything started was was about when you needed to show up Um, or else, you know, you were either not getting a seat or you're going to end up sitting, you know, in the first five rows and not really being able to see much. Um, But nowadays we go to the bar. So uh, a little bit, a little late, I would say. I was uh, was a little tardy. Luckily, we had some friends show up right as everything opened and uh, saved a picnic table and we were able to have a good time. So uh, it was great to, uh, it was, it was weird because everyone that you, we all usually show up to Beatridge, but half of us go to the pits, half of us are either racing or working on crews, and then um, half of us and me go to the bar. Well, it was nice that Thursday it seemed that we like we had the majority of all of us that that typically you know communicate with each other on a day to day basis and hang out with one another. We're all at the bar together. Um, with it, it seemed like it was a proper send off. Uh, I think that. It was uh, surprising almost how many people were in the stands because there was about a 60% chance of rain and it was a Thursday night Um, and racing did go until about midnight, midnight 30, uh, which was 
interesting, weird, um, unlike Beatridge, but also kind of still nostalgic. Well, I, I think that considering all the circumstances, I don't think anybody cared. No. Um, it, it's one of those things where they, they threw together these last two racers after we got that bomb dropped on us a few weeks ago. Um, and it, it was important to have it and, 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 and just celebrate, you know, something that, you know, hope, hopefully it isn't, but it, it's looking bleak that, you know, that very well may have been the last Thursday thunder. So I don't think anybody cared. We were, we were up all night. We were partying. We were having a good time hooting, uh, leading to more hollering. And, and it, like you said, it was nostalgic. It was cool to just kind of be a fan. And that's something that I needed. I think these last two events here that, you know, all too often we, we do get very immersed in what's going on, whether it be because of the show or, or, you know, uh, driving a car, spotting a car, working on a car, working in the booth, um, doing something. But these last two shows, I, I just wanted to be a fan where it all started. Uh, that was important to me to not have any, any sort of anxiety for whatever I was doing. I just wanted to show up to what has been my, your, our, uh, second home of sorts. Um, I, I've said it for years where the only thing that that place was missing was a roof, uh, for me. And, uh, so I don't I, really need roofs usually yeah, just no, a folding yeah. table and I'll, I'll get the job <laughs> done. So, yeah, and it, and it, it was important for me to just kind of go there and, and just enjoy it and just kind of bask it all in it and take it all for what it was. And, and Thursday night was a special night, but that wasn't the last event. Uh, after Thursday night, we, we boogied on over to, or you did, uh, over to Stafford. I got out of work late on, on Friday. So I made the executive decision to go up Saturday morning and, uh, we had a time. Yeah, so those those who uh, just clicked this show for maybe the first time, um, we're kind of just recapping our weekends. We do have uh, the now three-time NASCAR Wheel and Modified three Torch time, Champion, time, Justin Bonsignor. Three-time champion. Sorry. Coming up in about whenever we stop running our mouths, which won't be that long. Um, you know, We have been accused of talking the balls off of a pool table, but this uh, shouldn't be one of those times. We are, uh, we're kind of just discussing the wake that we are at on Thursday. Yeah, it, um, it, was, uh, it was interesting to to see that and then transition that over to Stafford, which is again, its own little world. It's its own community. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's a spectacular place to go to anytime. And it just sucks that it's so far away now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, uh, other than Beatridge, like if, if, if all my trips to Beatridge this year were just wiped away, Stafford would on paper be my home track. Well, um, which is, you've made the truck quite a few times, which is not, necessarily good for the bank account or the the stress levels because Massachusetts is a goddamn son of a bitch on the way uh, to Stafford on this Friday afternoon. You had you have all sorts of troubles. It only took me about two and a half hours to get there. You also came down on Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't so, go at rush hour like you do. No, yeah, and, and, and for me to be able to make it to Stafford on a Friday, you know, they do make this, this great product called Flow Racing, but uh, I haven't really looked into it too much. Um, the, it's it's just it's an atmosphere that you got to be at and it makes the sitting in traffic worth it but like you said when you punch it into your jippus on the way uh you know when you're on the way to the racetrack it says that it's about two hours and yeah, 35 like, minutes away yeah mine said like 227 or which something is like that. yeah which is great because that basically means it's two hours away so then you jump <laughs> right <laughs> then you jump in you jump in the car you, you go 85 for the first 45 minutes and you're like god damn i'm gonna be there in no time then you get to fucking boston you lock the brakes right up and you're yeah. like oh cool i guess we're, we're living here now. you're going five miles an hour and you're like god maybe i'll make it there for tomorrow's races like that's cool um but no it was a great night it went friday obviously and 
Yeah, a little bit of everything. Um, we'll just give my weapon of the week. I don't know name. I don't know number. But the car that wasn't the the, the black car, I believe it was, that just absolutely, there was a car spun out on the back shoe. It was an SK Light. Uh, ended up with someone flipped over. I don't have their name or num- number again because I wasn't 100% sure that we were going to record an intro like this. Uh, th- this car just uh, all gas, no brake, <laughs> and just ran straight into the back of this this other car that had checked up, as, you, as one does, mm. and um, ended up driving them up on the wall and then on their lid so can't um, park there that no you absolutely cannot park there um violators will be towed and they were they had to be um double hooks yeah well yeah had a couple double hooks that was great um and then the the atmosphere so just let's forget about tech post race tech for a little bit and and the finish to the sk race was probably the best finish i've seen to a race in a very, very, like, it's one of those ones that you're going to remember forever. And so Steven Kopsik and Todd Owen are going for the championship. I, I know Kopsik was behind Todd Owen by a set amount of points, whatever. Um, and it didn't look like Kopsik had a winning car. It didn't look like he was going to win, run in the top three, uh, give or take. But Todd Owen was fast, and Todd Owen was up front. Um, and Keith Rocco was up there as well. And, and there was just a late race yellow, everything. Everyone got bunched back up, and... Keith Rocco dove below Todd Owen. I mean, it just, it was Keith Rocco and Todd Owen for the win. That was basically what it was going to boil down to. One of those two were going to end up winning the race, going down the back chute. Todd Owen kind of pulled ahead. And um, Keith Rocco went and, and did a nice little bottom shot deal that, that kind of washed him and Todd Owen up out of the, uh, off the bottom and, and left the bottom wide open for Steven Kopsik. And it was like, I, I feel like in that moment, I realized why people watch television dramas. <laughs> because that was like everyone in the crowd knew that it was Keith Rocco versus Todd Owen. Mm-hmm. And then Steven Kopsa goes out there and wins. And there was just like a, there was like a silent, not a silence, but there was like an excitement that was in the crowd that I, you don't really get at most races. You know, like, like we say, there could be a bad race and you don't really remember it. Well, this is one that uh, I will remember for the rest of my life. It was a great race. Um, we also are partial. We do like Steven Kopsik. He has BFP stickers on the car and, and one of the only ones in the field that does. And um, it was great. He was one four in a row. Um, four in a row since putting BFP stickers on the car and yeah um, then and yeah I don't I didn't hear what happened after tech so that was fun it was great it was a great finish um, congrats to Steven and um, let's just move on so so Saturday comes around I get up at oh god 30 in the morning uh, boogie on down to Connecticut so that I can experience my my portion of the fall final over at Stafford Motor Speedway and again it, it's a it's a it's an incredible facility it's got it's got fair type food it's just an atmosphere there's TVs in the bathroom it, it's a true facility um, and it's it's a, it's always enjoyable to go there and we have our new gaggle of Connecticut friends and mixed in with some Massachusetts friends and um, I don't think we've ever had a bad time going there. Uh, and this is actually the first time that we were both there, and we didn't actually see a hellacious wreck, I feel, together. Uh, first time, we saw that street stock try to um, exit the, the racetrack into the neighborhood, um, mm-hmm. and then we had mm-hmm. that modified fella, right? Or no, yeah. Mm-hmm. that Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, or no, it was another late model deal. Oh, yeah, the late yeah, model Kale, down the back shoot. Kale Yarbrough tried to die on the back stretch there. Oh, my God. They wrecked some shit bad. That was a bad one, yeah. Uh, but nothing, nothing crazy like that, and, and um, the racing is always good. I, I was working with uh, JB Fortin again. They, 
they had invited me to come out. So I, I wore my cotton candy fucking purple and pink shirt like like a good little boy. And, um, you know, we had a time. You know, that's always a good crew there. They're all nice folks. Um, car was just kind of dog shit all day and never really went any better anytime it hit the racetrack. So uh, frustrating there, but it cool to uh, spot. Yeah, thinking back on it, it's spot for a NASCAR modified. That's cool um, to be able to experience that and have that in the the old the old belt notch loop or whatever it is, and uh, just add that to the experiences of things that we get to do here. Uh, I, I I still am convinced because of the show, so uh, it's just cool to have that and you know experience that side of things and you know meet new people and, and you know you 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 came in there had some chili dip. I burned the fuck out of my mouth on that. Great food though. Um, yeah great time uh (laughs) saturday was saturday was fun and it was it was all wrapped up with uh the our our our, our new friend justin bonsignor winning the championship like we said and then uh he also came out and helped us win the party so he did um, do that i feel like this is a good time to to send it over to him and then we'll get we'll get back to some beach ridge talk about sunday after Mm, so uh what you're about to hear is the three-time 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 nascar wheel and modified tour series champion two-time back-to-back and the current and reigning champion after stafford how many times three times okay uh how many one more than two one less than four oh, i don't know how to solve for x <laughs> uh, but no it's it's a good little interview that we had here uh justin opens up a little bit and uh he just tells us about the weekend and, and who the fuck justin bonsignor is so uh enjoy this portion of it we are going to have more at the end of that as well too we, we this is going to be kind of a double dosage show here so uh enjoy our talk with justin bonsignor and we'll be back in a little bit um all right boys and girls so uh, this is going to be episode 134. We have a pretty special guest here today. Um, the newest and well, reigning three time, right? Back three, to back. Back three, to three, back. Three time, right? Three time, but back to back, right? Yeah, that's it, man. Back to back and three time. Three time, back to back NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour Series champion, Justin Bonson. What's going on, pal? Uh, not much, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Uh, so have you recovered from the, the party yet? Oh, man. That was, <laughs> uh, that was my third championship, but it was the first time it ended that badly for me. It was, um, it was good. I, I do not remember much from the time I got to the hotel to the time I the next morning. So um I got a lot of updates from my crew guys who were taking videos and photos and, and really having a lot of fun at my expense. So, so it was all, all good on the racetrack, but I heard that you might've blown a motor and uh, potentially had to bring out the backup car uh, at the hotel. <laughs> Did that happen? We didn't bring the backup out. We just went right, right home. We just packed our shit up. <laughs> <laughs> you only brought one car. Yeah. No stacker, no stacker. Uh, <laughs> shit. Uh, well, Obviously, you've done some cool shit. You've done a lot of things that you know we've watched you do, and a lot of others. But um, before we get too carried away here, and and for for those that that listen from all over the place and might not be super familiar with modifieds, um, who the fuck is Justin Bonsignor? Where'd you come from, pal? <laughs> That's a good question. A lot of people still ask me that. Um, <laughs> I grew up in a racing family. My dad and uh, his brothers owned um, and operated a go-kart engine business here uh, back in the 80s and 90s. My dad sold the parts. My Uncle Bill, who is my cousin Kyle's dad, who races the tour, he was the engine builder. And um, they did that for a long, long time. And then as Kyle and I got older and my brother and and our other cousins, um, we got into go-kart racing. And 
just progressed through there. We did a lot of travel. We raced um, all over the country, mostly up and down the East Coast, raced um, all over the national and regional events in this area. And um, I'm go-kart racing. And then as I got older, wanted to continue on, got into uh, limited late mods down at Riverhead. Uh, did that for a year and then went right to a full-blown tour mod um, weekly at Riverhead for a few years. So um, been around a long time, been around my whole life, really, you know, born right into it. And, um, you know, luckily enough in end of 09, I met Ken Massa and Janine Massa who own the team that I'm still with to this day. So, um, it's been a long journey with them and a lot of ups and downs, but it's been really good here the last uh, handful of years for sure. Yeah. You've been able to find a ton of success all over, but never once at Stafford for, what was it? 40 times going into Saturday. Now you're one for 41. <laughs> is that what it is? Yes. As I eloquently screamed at the, at the, the, the party the other night and on the loudspeaker right after the race it was it was very very eloquent i actually got the video from uh spotter ray uh today <laughs> so that said i had to bring that up it was it was and i quote i believe one for 41 motherfuckers so um <laughs> very very eloquent love to see it whose whose idea was it to go down to the party was that your decision or was it your crew was it a mutual thing because when i got the text from ray saying that you're well, actually asked me how the party was and it obviously was pretty good. And uh, I was very shocked to hear that you guys were all going to be coming down there to, to hang out. Yes. Yeah, so obviously that was the first time the tours ended the season at Stafford. And typically for us, it's just in and out. We come, we race, we rush right home for different reasons, uh, just to get people back to their families and whatnot. And, um, you know, with Thompson having a clubhouse, we've been fortunate enough to have a couple parties there after winning the championship. And we didn't know or have any idea what to do this weekend. The points were so close. We didn't want to get ahead of ourselves and there was really no alternative for having a party. So Phoenix, my sponsor had a huge tent up on the uh, driving range. Uh, most of them had already left by the time we got out of tech and everything. So we went up there, hung out for a bit with, with Mark, my sponsor and a bunch of the employees and had a couple of beers, some slices of pizza. And we were well aware of the, of the party that was going on. We just, you know, we had to do the right thing with our sponsors and, um, you know, I actually got a text from uh, Ron Silk's fiance. She's like, where are you guys? You got to get down here. There's like 500 people. And, you know, Ron and his and his girlfriend, uh, fiance, Christy, stayed just to hang out with us. So we ran on down there and it was like another world. I didn't even know we were still at Stafford. It was just ridiculous. Where like where all those people came from. The, the green bus certainly does know how to put on a party. Um, I think it's something that we, we kind of want to do ourselves, maybe at some point throughout different racetracks. But um, no, it's definitely its own little world down there, but, but going back on, on who, who Justin Thompson yeah. is, were, were modifieds always the goal? Was that, was that always what you want? Is that still where you want to be at? Or, or what, what are you looking forward to in the, in the years to come? Yeah. I mean, as I was, when I was younger, you know, first getting on a tour, we had some pretty good success. I had the support of Mario Fury at the time, and he was really trying to push me to try and go, you know, to the next step would have been K&N and, and trucks at the time. And, um, just the financial numbers it took and, and really the effort that it took just didn't really entice me all that much. And I never pursued going out trying to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars with that very slim hope. So um, after a few years of, of running Modifieds, I just was like, you know what, there's nothing wrong with, with doing this your whole career. And I really, really love the series. I love the community. Um, you know, there's a million guys like you out there, just diehard fans in this area. And it's just it's just a lot of fun and it's a good part of good community to be a part of. So 
Um, you know, Mike Stefanik, Ted Christopher made careers out of being modified guys, and there's nothing wrong with that. So um, I uh, I have no real desires to do anything further. I mean, if somebody came to me like Doug uh, got the opportunity with SRX and then the truck series, if that presented itself, I would love to try it. But I'm not going to go broke in the process of doing it. I, I love what I'm at. Uh, I got a great team. It's like a second family to me with all our sponsors, our crew, our my owners. Um, it's just a really good, really good deal to be a part of. And I really like uh, doing what I do. There's ton, tons of diehard fans up here, uh, one of which wears a 2XL t-shirt. Uh, and uh, before <laughs> before the races actually started, I got a text from uh, some of the listeners might know uh, Mike Rainville. His dad actually wanted a 2XL t-shirt. So I came over and so eloquently uh, tried to buy a 2XL t-shirt. And you looked at me and you were like, you wear a 2X? And I was like, oh, no, it's for someone else. And I immediately felt like a dick because then I was like, oh, I just told him that I wasn't getting a shirt for myself. And uh, then I, I did find out later at the party after you had a couple beers that that was a dick move. So I apologize, but we are, <laughs> we are diehard fans. And you know what? The next time we see it, I, I assume Thompson probably, I, I will come down and I will get myself a shirt. Won't be 2X uh, unless things really get out of hand in the next uh, two weeks, which they very well could. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, it was nice to see you pick up a win. When that caution came out, uh, what, were the, what were the thoughts going through your mind? Because I mean, like you had that thing wrapped up and it was going to be, you know, a party for the ages, I guess. And then that yellow comes out and it's like, fuck, is it going to happen again? Is your crew going to let you down? What's going to happen here that's going to, you know, end up costing you that 41st trip to Stafford? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's exactly what it was is oh fuck like you know <laughs> you get to that point in race and you know there's a lot of things going through your mind and the points are one of them and you just know typically in these races if it comes out with 30 to go that it's going to turn into a shit show after that and and just be really aggressive and and um you know luckily everybody on the on the lead lap pitted um if if somebody got some pair of balls to stay out and, and just try and run on old tires and you get restarting third or fourth, you're just, you're just going to be in a bad spot. So, uh, came in guys had a killer pit stop. We killed everybody off of pit road, come off pit road, see nobody was dumb enough to stay on the racetrack. And, you know, as the, you know, being the leader and controlling the restart, I wasn't too concerned, you know, it was just, did we make the right adjustments? Was Doug, um, Doug going to have a better car on that short run, but our car fired off into turn one and it was like, that was it. And then, you know, then you're also thinking about fuel because it, it, it is close. Um, you know, these races, when it goes green at long, we were, we're close, um, not as close as we thought, which was good. But, um, you know, was, you're just going as hard as you can those last 20. Then you get the freaking green, white checkered. And it's like, man, I got to do this again. And then Doug jumps the start by a mile. And um, I don't know if he like let me kind of get back even so he didn't get posted for it. But uh, I wasn't going to lose at that point. Um, I was going to do what I had to do to try and win a race. <laughs> So, so at that point in time, are you, are you more worried about winning the race? Cause you, you haven't been there to, done that yet at Stafford or are you keeping an eye on where Emerling is and, and doing math in your head and doing all sorts of cool shit? Or are you just trying to get a checkered flag at that point? Yeah. I mean, before the first caution, I was, I could see Patrick was only about five or six cars in front of me and I was trying to save fuel, but at the same time, try and lap that whole group and, you know, really hopefully put him, you know, out of it for sure. Um, it, but for, you know, unfortunately that didn't happen. Then, you know, I didn't see him at all until the green white checker. And I look in the mirror and Ray's calling, yeah, Oh seven on the bumper. I'm like, how the hell is he second? He was just 17 or third. How was he? How was he? He was just 17. 
Um, but you know, Patrick and I raced really hard and really clean all year. So I wasn't concerned that anything stupid was going to happen. Um, I was more worried if Doug would make some type of bonsai move, knowing that I had to be a little cautious, but, um, our car was just so good. I was able to get such drive off of two, um, that they really didn't even have a shot to pull any type of uh, harpoon move. So, so going, going to Stafford, you, you had said too, that typically you guys don't end the season at Stafford. Um, ball that into again. You you hadn't won there yet. So what what was the prep like going 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 into Stafford weekend? Like what did you guys do anything differently? Were you was your head in a different spot at all, or, or did you, was it just business as usual? Uh, a little bit of both. I mean, we didn't change anything on the car. We basically run the same setup every time we go there. Um, we there is some new new ideas going around the series right now, but we being in the points didn't really want to get into messing with that because if you unload and you're a bag of shit, you don't really have enough time to put your other setup back in and, and even try it. So um, we just stuck to what we know has been working and um, the car was really tight all day long, which I, I felt was going to be a good, good plus. Cause the last time we raced there, everybody was sideways and um, the car fired off really tight at the start of the race. And then after 30 laps or so, I could see it starting to come back to the whole, whole top five there and just pick them off one at a time. So um, I didn't really do anything different. I, um, if anything, just made sure I was a little more cautious instead of, you know, if you just get a nose on a guy instead of going in there and nerfing them, uh, just take an extra lap or two to complete the pass without making any contact. Cause you know, these guys know your race for points. So if they, if you give them any reason to try and rough you back up, they're gonna, it's just the nature of the series. So I just was a little more cautious on that front, but you know, when we were leading with 20 to go or maybe now it's just before that first pit stop or the, the pit stop, I, I came to the radio and asked, I said, do, if they catch me, do I save fuel or do I go for the win? And, and my crew chief stone came over the radio. He's like, just go for the win. Who cares? So um, it's a little bit of both, but you know, you just <laughs> you got to be cautiously aggressive, I guess, or patiently aggressive. So, so having, having that in your ear though, having, you know, you know, the guy on the, on the radio say, Hey, just go for it. Does that give you just a giant boost of confidence and just like, Hey, fuck it. It doesn't matter. Or, or are you still kind of in your head a little bit? Uh, it definitely made it, um, it got me out of my own head. Cause you know, you, you're, I'm not worried about the car at that point. I was just worried if we were around a fuel, honestly. And, um, you know, even if he was lying to my face, which if you see him on TV, he was nervous as shit in his interviews that he had on the broadcast. So, um, <laughs> he totally was lying and just trying to come for me, but it worked. So, um, I think it, uh, it just, just makes you not second guess yourself and, and worry about things while you should be out there focusing. I, I got to know. So we had uh, your spotter, Ray Parent Jr., uh, <laughs> on the show at one point. And uh, I believe, was that your first ever episode listening to the Black Flag podcast when we had your spotter right there on? Yeah, that was. He uh, He told me that him and his brother were going to be on there. And I'm like, how is Ray going to do a, a podcast? He doesn't speak at all. Like, <laughs> Which is ironic. The words out of yeah, yeah <laughs> it is. It is crazy that he is the spotter considering – for the first, I don't know, half of last season, we could barely get 10 words out of him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that I, sounds about right. I was. I, I was, think uh, we're corrupting him, though, and I don't think his uh, his fiance is, is liking all the corruption uh, I think we're, we're causing him. But uh, he's also awesome. right. he's an unbelievable spotter. I'm sure you guys are a bad influence on him, too. But um, <laughs> oh, he's, yeah. a, he's a great spotter and does a really good job for us. Yeah, we're definitely a bad influence on him. I was, I was, uh, was a couple times at the party where I could see his fiance there over his shoulder, and um, the the look that she was giving was uh, burning a hole in the back of his head. So that was, that was <laughs> fun. But uh, I did hear that uh, 
so like you said, Ray doesn't talk too much. And I believe that your review of the podcast uh, that, at that moment was that we could talk the balls off a, a pool table. So, uh, <laughs> so this is, this is, and I, I had a long winded question earlier where it felt like it was never going to end. And I got to tell you, I was getting a little nervous. I didn't want the balls to start falling all over the place. <laughs> But no, it's cool. It's cool to get you on. And uh, it was it was actually it was very surprising to see you at the party that would, would have never expected that. How cool is it to race with a lot of your friends? Like I know you guys are you you and obviously Ryan and, and Doug have a good time on Twitter. And you said that uh, Ron Silk was going to be out there you know, hanging out and celebrating with you. How cool is that to just kind of have that community? Yeah, it's, it's really, really fun. You know, at times we all hate each other's guts. And there's been times where Silk and I uh didn't talk for almost a year because of me wrecking them but um you know all in all we've known each other you know the whole group of us for you know 10 plus years now um some of us grew up racing go-karts together um doug and i have become better friends from our rivalry of battling each other same thing with ryan um it's just um it's really hard nose racing like we we don't want to get beat by each other but at the same time we, you know, appreciate that they, they push each other's teams to make each other better. And, you know, when Doug and Ryan get those opportunities, like they have to go expose our series and put more eyes on modified racing by going to the national series, it's, it's really cool. And, um, you know, we're their biggest cheerleaders at, you know, when they get those opportunities, but, you know, Saturday night with 10 to go, I would have did what I had to do to beat them. You know, it's just, it's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, Ryan Priest, big big cup star, but I, I will say that one time, there's actually been numerous times where we've kind of been lined up to get him on the podcast, and Charlie actually big-timed him one time yeah, and I didn't didn't show up to uh, the, the interview, so I was actually kind of afraid that that was going to happen to you today, but you're one for one on the Black Flag podcast. Ryan is oh uh, for one, so uh, that was good. Charlie Charlie quite literally sat down. The, the reason why the Zoom link was a little late was he sat down at about 6.56, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, was, it was getting close. I was biting my fingernails, but uh, I, I, had, I had to work like 12 hours today. So uh, Bradley even sent me a message. He's like, you remember it's seven, right? I was like, yes, I literally just walked through the door. I like, give me five seconds. Up <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I'm typically the late one. So it makes sense. But um, no, I, we, we think it's really cool what you're doing with the exposure that like, like you said, you, Doug, Kobe, all these guys bringing attention to the, basically the, the upper echelon of short track racing. It's, it's the grassroots level still, but it's, it's got national attention to it. You guys go all over, all over the place. You were just at Richmond a few weeks ago. You guys go to Loudon, but you, you still end up at Stafford and Thompson and all these other cool little racetracks too. So uh, in doing that, what, what's, what are some of your favorite places uh, to bring those wide tired monsters to? Yeah, there's, there's really no bad racetrack um, for our cars, honestly. Um, I, one of my favorites is just Thompson, the way you have to race that track. I'm, it's just you're so aggressive at all times. Um, it's so fast. It's just a lot of fun. The atmosphere of that facility, especially on World Series weekend, is like nothing else. And, um, you know, 12 wins on a tour there definitely will help persuade you a little more, too. But um, there really isn't a bad track. I, we went to a lot of different tracks this year. Um, and they were all cool in their own way. Everything, you know, whether it's going all the way out to Lancaster where you're racing on a drag strip with the super grip down the straightaways and nothing in the corner, um, you know, going to New Smyrna next year. I mean, even Beach Ridge, it just was such a disciplined track. Um, there's so many different formats and styles that go into these races. It just makes you well-rounded driver. So I appreciate all of them in their own little way you know i might not always love going to some of these places but um you know when you get out there and race it's it's always enjoyable and and the, you know the racing helps too as hard nose as it is well we, we've we've talked about that before where 
um, even even going up into the the higher NASCAR levels like Cup, Xfinity, whatever. Uh, we we've always been documented in saying that like it shows a true driver that um, you know they go to the, all these different racetracks that have quite literally have nothing in common with each other. So um, to be able to have that finesse and that adaptability between big tracks, little tracks, round tracks, paper clips, it doesn't matter. It it's really cool to be able to watch that and, and watch you guys do that. And, and not have the, you know, 15, 20, 25 cars that like the cup guys do. And you're doing it all with the same equipment for the most part uh, throughout the year. So um, that just kind of brings it back to, you know, the, the, the local Saturday night guy who, who's got one car and, and, you know, is trying to make a name for himself. So uh, we appreciate everything that you guys do and show off, show off to the, the rest of the world for us. And uh, again, I just think it's really cool that you guys get to do that. Yeah, no doubt. The, you know, the, different versatility it requires in a series you know we race from quarter miles all the way to loud and on a mile track and you know we get to some of these places especially this year i think we went to four or five new tracks this year and you only get an hour hour and a half of practice so you have to unload off the truck really fast and you have to adapt instantly to get up to speed because if you don't there's five or ten other guys that already are so um i think it like you said it makes you well-rounded um and it I enjoy that part of it. You know, I love going to different tracks. I love the the staple tracks in our area, the Stafford's, the Thompson's, but it is nice to get out to some of newer tracks and, and just show our series off to, to people that don't get to see it all the time. And, and now that we have the track pass um, races that are live every week, it definitely exposes us even more. And, um, you know, I personally don't think there's any type of racing that's um, more pure and more, uh, you know, aggressive and just, there's just so much that goes into these, these races. Um, I think the whole package is a modified race. I think what a lot of people strive to watch on TV for this national races is a lot of what you see on the tour at weekly racing. It's like, it's like, it's right there in front of them, but they don't always see that it is. And they try and replicate it in a different way. Oh, it, it can be something that's, it's somewhat taken for granted sometimes for people like in our positions where, where we're just so, uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're so used to being around it or, or so used to having it in our area. But, you know, you show a tour type modified to somebody in like North Dakota, they're going to be like, what the fuck is that thing? Um, and it's always cool to have that conversation with people and be like, no, this is this is where it's at. And 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 just bring people over to the party more. And that's 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 the whole point of this whole show is that we're, we're just trying to show everything off for, for all of our good pals, like like our good pal, Justin Bonson, you are here. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's funny. Not- He's not that good of a pal. He didn't even buy a shirt. <laughs> well, I, to be fair, fair, I saw you for all of like, I don't know, 12 seconds during the party and you didn't even know your name. So I, I had no idea. No <laughs> idea. It was definitely, it was definitely a, a shot at me. Not, not you. We'll get yeah. some shirts the next time we're out here. Now, <laughs> now that we're good friends, cause we're going to have yeah. like a nice 45 minute, probably conversation here. Yeah, I, I'll even give you a discount. Whoa. Oh, okay. Whoa. Maybe, maybe a tea swap. Yeah. I was about to say we'll do a swap. Oh yeah. We could probably do that. Yeah. Uh, okay. we'll, figure it out. Okay. we'll have to we'll have to get a, a picture for the gram or something as we do that i was jealous because at some point in the night i was just kind of out like on an island by myself at the party just kind of you know dancing bebopping around and i look over and you you have your arm around charlie over there and you guys are just absolutely belting out the words to whatever song was playing <laughs> and i was like that's that's pretty cool because uh, charlie's like pointing up daniel eugene's taking pictures and shit and i'm just like oh that's fine it's probably because i didn't buy a fucking t-shirt or <laughs> Don't take it personal. I had no idea who anybody was. 
As I say, there's no shot you knew who I was. No, so it's fine. No, I, I even if I, yeah, no, not not a shot. <laughs> well, it's funny. You you walked by me. They they called you up on stage after they called you over to where they were uh, serving margaritas out of a. That's when I knew I was drunk. Was yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I I very much bought uh, what I thought was going to be a margarita, and I'm just convinced it was just tequila and ice. Um, <laughs> it, it was fucking rugged, and they make it out of a chainsaw. Yeah, you, know, you just you tip the guy, and he the, depending on what the bill is, is how aggressive your drink is, I assume. And I I gave him twenty five dollars, and I had just straight tequila and ice. So oh my god, um, yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a good time, and it you know it always is a good time over at Stafford with all of our Connecticut friends. It's it's funny that you say that it was like it was a whole nother world because anytime that we bring like this show's premise is like you know like showing how much fun you can have at the racetrack and bringing new people to the racetrack. Obviously, you're not a new person to the racetrack, but that party scene it is like a different world. Like just walking in and seeing 500 people and like inflatable palm trees and shit. And they got a stage with people playing, you know, playing music. And there's just, it was just the atmosphere at Stafford is unbelievable. And hopefully you guys uh, end the season there every year because uh, the party only gets better, bigger and better every single time. It seems like. Yeah. Like I, I had heard of this green bus. Like I've heard, I've heard of the legend of it recently, especially this year, Daniel Eugene was, I think he's mentioned it to me a couple times. I think Beach Ridge, was it at Beach Ridge? Uh, um, I don't think it was at Beach Ridge, but I'm sure that the, there was, there was quite the party at yeah. Beach Ridge and somehow the green bus probably got thrown. Yeah. In. It got mentioned that for sure. Um, and when we were up on top of the driving range, we couldn't even, I could see a little bit, but I had no idea what it was. So we go driving down there and it was like, we turned around one, one motor home. And it was like, what the fuck? Like, this is insane they were like oh there's like 500 people down here i didn't believe it and then you see that and you're like wow like absolutely just another another world so yeah they uh they should publicize that a little more and and they probably would have a thousand people there yeah i know that's kind of that's kind of the connection that we need to start making whether it's us hosting the party or the big green i feel like you guys should be the ringleaders of that for yeah. sure well that's we're, we're working on it. the problem is, is that we do like i had a bluetooth microphone in my backpack the problem is is that nine times out of ten you're gonna get things that people probably don't want to be posted on the internet said so uh it's difficult so fine line to walk it's kind of one that we're still trying to figure out but the videos and the pictures do last forever so uh those can those will hopefully get some more people out yeah <laughs> except for ray's videos and photos i need him to delete those i think <laughs> <laughs> i did see i did see a nice one of you potentially taking a nap on the uh, the hotel counter so uh yeah just, so just funny down. story is i'm like always the team uh hotel coordinator like i make sure everybody's got a room who's bunking with who and uh i knew well, I guess I knew at the party when we were leaving that that was not going to be my job that night. So the next morning I uh, went downstairs and I was there eating breakfast and I was talking to my crew chief. I was like, I assume everybody had a bed last night or whatever. And because uh, I was like, I don't even remember stopping at the, the front counter to even say anything. And I was wrong because I was leaning on that counter, taking a nice little nap. And I guess I had a nice conversation with the person at work there informing them of who I was and that I needed a key ASAP. Um, you probably pulled it. Do you know who the fuck I am? No, no, no. I, I definitely, I, they, I asked if I did, they said I didn't, which I was, I was proud of myself that I wasn't. A total <laughs> dick. Um, I didn't even like say that I want anything. I just said what my name was and that I had rooms and that I needed mine first. But I was glad I wasn't a total arrogant dickhead. So, so the really the biggest question of the night here is: th Did you drink out of the trophy? 
No, um, we were actually talking about that today. <laughs> the top of it is sealed in the cup. There's a lid on it. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know if it's glued on or what, but we were, we were looking at the trophy today at work, uh, Ken and I, my owner and his wife. And um, she's like, why didn't we drink out of this? And we're like, it's got a lid. Can't like sucks. The glass bowl was drank out of at the first championship banquet right on stage by my owner. I was going to say, they, they changed it up this year a little bit. We're typically used to the big candy dish, and now we have just a, a giant cup, apparently, that you can't drink out of. Yeah, it was very random. They, they decided to change it a little more modern, I guess. So um, glad we got the last of the old style and the first of the new style. So that's pretty cool. Um, it's on display at, at Ken's company right now and looking good for for – next to the other ones do you have your own little like trophy stash somewhere you have your own little uh room or i'm sure it's a big ass room at this point but you, you um yeah them. we uh we kind of keep them i keep the cool ones the ones i think are like better i keep the nicer ones ken's got a bunch uh right outside his office at where i actually work out of the same building and then we give our crew chief kind of the uh the go-kart style ones that some of these tracks just still for some reason give out to people which aggravates me but um so he gets the the, the cheaper ones and then uh, i i try and keep some of the nicer ones because you know you race for all this money and stuff but in 20 years all you're gonna have is the trophy so like it i, I feel like racetrack should step up their game and have meaningful trophies for like certain things like riverhead should have an indian like as their trophy you know like that would there's, be. there should just be you should pick something that goes with your facility and make an iconic trophy well, that's what I thought was cool about the Beechridge one is that they had like the, the, the boxing gloves and all. Yeah. That yeah. Like the, yeah. They got Josh to promote there. He, he put some thought into those trophies. Yeah, that, that's the, that's the little, the little bit of nuances that I've always um, really agreed with that you, you have to have at certain places. And um, you know, you got to make something, you got to create novelty somewhere and, and that's a huge way to do it. Um, and, you know, just like, you know, you went to Martinsville, you get a clock, you know, that, that, that shit's cool to me. Yeah. Whoever, whoever promoted the Beach Ridge event did a fantastic job and just walking in and seeing they had like these wicked cool, like rumble at the Ridge t-shirts with the boxing gloves that he was talking about. Charlie and I both dropped the ball also didn't get one of those shirts. Yeah. If anybody um, knows where we can so. get those somehow, if there's like a stash that's on its way to like Thailand or something <laughs> before that happens, can we just get a couple of those? Yeah. <laughs> yeah Cause Beach Ridge kind of doesn't exist anymore. So this would be cool to, you know, commemorate. Yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah, we almost had shirts going to Thailand. We we had championship shirts made before we won. <laughs> We're gonna have the Super Bowl style where they send the losers stuff off, but thankfully we won. There would have been a lot of happy kids in Africa. <laughs> yeah, we totally dropped the ball on it though and left them in the trailer during the race. So uh, yeah, they're just now getting distributed today. Gotcha. Yeah, that's total that's total awesome. shit move. Yeah, uh, not to get too ahead of yourself. You know, <laughs> yeah, booking a hotel and. Well, yeah, the hotel, it was, well, it worked either way. Like I was either going to be drinking and celebrating or drinking away my sorrows and either way would have needed a hotel. It's true. I'm glad that you're, you're drinking and celebrating. Cause I don't know about yes. the sorrow. I don't think the sorrow part would have ended up getting a little Ray Ray out, out at the party. So nah, he probably would have had to go home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, the, the leash would have been pulled a little tighter. <laughs> nah, come on. Caitlin's easy on him. Nah, she's, <laughs> Just she's keeps him, she keeps him in check. Cause he, He's going to be in trouble if not, and it's going to be because of us. Yeah, which is which is good. Yeah, we don't want we don't want that on our hands. So, so one question I do have for you: uh, one of our good pals here, uh, a friend of the program, if you will, Carl Medeiros. I'm sure you you've heard of him. Yeah, I know he, Carl. Yeah. He's asking us to ask you about the Fran Body Twitter page. What the hell does that mean? 
The what? Say that again. Brand Bonnie Twitter page. I don't even know what that means. I don't either. All right. So way to fuck that up, Carl. <laughs> um, so yeah. That's word for word. What yeah, that's said, literally what so I said. That sucks. Yeah. I mean, what, what we How always ran Bonnie. How do you spell it? Let's look F- it up. F-R-A-N Bonnie. Like Bonnie and Clyde. Like, I, I feel like. I feel like that's. Is that like a. Is, is, so I guess that's, uh, I guess that's not your burner. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, no. Well, unaware. Huh. <laughs> I can't even get it to load. All right. Well. Um, Bonnie with a Y or no I E yeah <laughs> oh like yeah one yeah wonder it's someone, someone... It, at least it makes sense to Carl yeah good for Carl that yeah. we don't this is why we don't take listeners submitting questions <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a terrible question because I don't even find anything on Twitter yeah. well, so it doesn't um, even exist it's good like somebody talking shit about me that probably. I just never saw probably Carl honestly <laughs> <laughs> that's fine <laughs> oh fuck. Uh, fuck. Well, uh well thank you uh again for for giving us your time here we know that you're probably a busy guy uh looking forward do you have anything planned for the rest of this year are are you done you're gonna be a spectator you got anything cool planned that we should be aware of uh we got a couple more races uh we're gonna run a thompson 300 um i guess next weekend that is not this weekend um i got one more tri-track race with jimmy page's double zero up at seaconk in the end of october and then riverhead has the iso 300 which you guys were at right Yep, yep. Um, we have that in November, um, which will be cool. Um, kind of struggled a little bit at Riverhead by our standards this year. So it'd be nice to try and make up for the not winning a tour race by winning that race. Um, especially with everything that's going on down here losing Eddie Partridge and all that. So, um, those are the three races left. And then, uh, we'll go watch all the indoor races. Um, now that I got rid of all my stuff and I don't torture myself with that anymore, but those are always fun um and then before you know it, we'll be at speed weeks with Smyrna so um not much of an off season this year but um you know we didn't race as much it feels like as usual so like I'm not even worn out and I'm already ready to keep going so um looking forward to Thompson for sure it's gonna be cool to bring back the 300 never uh participated in that race and a lot of history in it a little bit you know be different that it's an open event not sure how we're gonna stack up against some of those guys with those flamethrower motors, but, um, you know, we'll see if we can at least hang with them and, and maybe outdo them on, on old, old tires or something. So, um, not sure how that's going to go, but we're going to give it a shot at least. Well, we're excited to watch. I know that we'll be at Thompson. I believe that we'll be at Riverhead as well. Hopefully by the time we get to Riverhead, uh, we'll be wearing the Justin Bonsinger t-shirts and that should help you. That should give you a little boost. Just a couple that, of that's what it was. And that's why I wasn't winning. Yeah. Holding down the beer barn and just maybe giving you a point or two, uh, in the right direction. That should help. That would be perfect. I could really use it there. We're, we're going to do our best. All right. Well, again, thank you for coming on. And one thing I do want to ask you, uh, I try to ask this to every person that we have on here just to close it out. But uh, you, Justin Bonsignor, uh, what is it that keeps you coming back to the racetrack? Why is it that you you love the the world of racing? And what why do you keep coming back? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, like I said earlier, I, I grew up in it. So this is all I've ever known. Um, I... Uh, I just love it to death. I love the community, especially, like I said, of, of modifieds, um, the people. Um, but most importantly is, is my, my crew and my team. I just love being going to the racetrack with my team. We, we have a lot of fun, um, right from the top, Ken, uh, and Janine, my owners, Ryan stone, my crew chief, they just, everybody, nobody's safe. Everybody gets their balls busted at some point or the other, whether it's me, whether it's the guy that cleans the car or even Ryan and Ken. So we just have a great, camaraderie amongst us and you know obviously going to the racetrack and being in contention each and every week with fast cars 
will keep a career going longer. So um, I'm still pretty young. I feel I got, you know, a good bunch of years left in me with a great team behind me. Um, I keep telling them I'm going to need a new pit crew before they need a new driver because they're a lot older than me. But um, I feel like I can do this for a lot longer as long as I'm competitive and um, as long as I'm having fun. So, um, you know, it's just great from top to bottom. And, uh, you know, also my parents and my girlfriend and my brother all love coming to the races and supporting us. So it's just um, it's just a great family atmosphere and um, winning never hurts. So, so looking ahead to all those years that you still have left on you and, and you're you're old and you have your, your kids bouncing on your knee or whatever. Um, listening back to this, what, what do you want the Justin Bonds in your legacy to be in the future when you're all said and done? What, what do you want people to look back on and think of you for? Oh, that's a tough question. I mean, it's not really my place to answer what people think of me, but if, if anything, I just would hope that um, people can appreciate, you know, how hard I race, how much I, I care for the sport, how much I want to see the sport succeed. Um, and hopefully that I'm successful. I mean, we've been really, really doing well the last couple of years. Um, obviously you'd love to, you know, people to think the world of you, but you know, in this day and age, particularly with social media, more people love to talk shit about you than anything. So, um, as long as people, you know, feel that I do the right thing and, and treat people the right way and, and appreciate the, the community and the, and the fans and the series, you know, that's, uh, more important than anything. I, um, you know, if they respect my success on the track, when it's all said and done, that'll be just a little bit of icing on the cake, I guess. Well, I know that we both uh, respected your your talent on the racetrack, and uh, I, I respect your talent now a little bit more off the racetrack as well. So uh, <laughs> it was cool to hang out with you and, uh, you know, just, you know, be the life of the party. That was, that, was, that was fun. Yeah, that is far and few between. Like I said, that doesn't happen too often. I, I couldn't believe when I heard them. I was in the middle of watering a somebody's tire. Um <laughs> And then I hear my name being called over the, the loudspeaker or over the PA. And I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? Like, they're not going to not let me go up there. And um, yeah, that was the first thing that came to mind. And then I thought that was like totally great. And then I ended it with rock on and I was just a total, like, like just went to shit real quick. Like that was it, from the highest of highs to just pathetic. It was, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be because you walked by me on the way to the stage and you were like, I don't want to fucking do this. <laughs> and you got up there and you nailed it. I thought you crushed it. I didn't hear the rock on, but. Oh, you know, shit. Well, maybe I just ratted myself out then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So looking back on it, it was much less, or much more lame. So, <laughs> but no, it's been great to have you on. Been great to catch up with you. And uh, I'm sure that we'll see you at Thompson and, and, you know, more races down the road. Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely come visit you guys more often now. Sounds good. Rock on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that was uh, Justin Bonsignor. Uh, Pretty cool to have him on the show there and uh, post post championship weekend. Uh, Again, we had quite the time with him uh, in front of the stage there. Uh, So that that's a good way to wrap up Saturday night. But uh, it was so it was very bizarre. Right? It was so cool to see because like it was there was a lot of people but it wasn't quite like at the spring sizzler everyone was so packed together mm-hmm. um and you know this this past weekend it seems like everyone was really spread out so there was a there was a numerous times where i found myself like by myself just jamming singing dancing whatever and then i would just look over and justin's like right in front of the stage like doing the same thing and like fist bumping and shit and i'm like dad that's so 
Well, he is he is close to our age, I feel, right? So it's yeah. like it's, it, to a certain point, he's just like us. He likes being at a racetrack. He likes racing cars. He likes modifieds, and we like all those same things too. So that was cool. Um, it's very cool that like that you'll hear later here uh, in an interview that we we have coming up. But uh, not very often do you go to a, a you know Red Sox game or whatever, and you're having a beer with with the winners. So um, pretty cool to experience that and and have that moment with Justin and uh, seems all too often now that we're, we're having those moments with some pretty significant people doing some pretty significant things. And uh, it's cool to be a part of it all, but um, that leads us into Sunday a little bit. Um, Sunday was a weird day. Sunday was really hard. Uh, Sunday was the quite possibly the last ever uh, competitive event at Beechridge motor speedway. Um, We saw, Wildcats, Sports Series, and Pro Series, a typical Saturday show that you would see any other week at Beechridge for a weekly show, a program that I have participated in for the last 11 years of my life between the the Sports Series and the um, now the Granite State Pro Stock Series and, and things like that. And um, it was hard. And, and I said earlier in the show that it was one of those things where um, I had all the opportunities to either bring one of the cars or both of the cars or, you know, the spot for someone or or be up in the announcer's booth, but it, I didn't want any of that. It was it was something to me that was special enough to where it, I started off there as a fan, uh, sitting up off a of turn number four, eating chicken nuggets with my grandmother, watching my dad race, and, and, and learning the cars and stars of who Beechridge and what Beechridge Motor Speedway is, and um, that's where I wanted it to end. Um, I wanted to just take in all the sights and sounds and smells and hang out with my friends and, and have a time. And, and, um, I was kind of a loner most of the day and I was okay with that. Um, and I think I needed that. Um, typically you and I are together, you know, doing, doing stuff and I was just doing all sorts of stuff. So, um, I was in the pits. I first walked in and, um, I saw, uh, Dave Charest's old car, uh, Steve Benacasa just bought it from, from the sports series from Dave or for the sports series from Dave. And, um, first thing I did was I walked right in and I, I started putting numbers on it. Yeah, Matt was helping him. Matt's helped me the last, you know, 10 years or so. And, uh, cool to have that moment with, with Matt and, and him helping Steve and getting that car, uh, back up to snuff where it's a car that we both have a lot of experience with and a lot of, a lot of knowledge in. And, um, you know, I, I was the last one to race it, honestly. Um, you know, and, and leading, leading the race too. So that, pretty cool to have that and then started moseying my way on through the pit area and um kind of set up camp at you know mom and dad's trailer or Kristen and smitty and um you know just again watching it all i said hi to rusty and just looked at all the cars and you know made made my uh made my last little visuals of you know what a what a full-on race day is like and you know smitty's out there and he goes out in the first practice and he let he let Nate drive in the second practice, which was pretty cool. And I'm just sitting there, and I had I had no intentions, I had no interest, I had no um, desire um, to to drive anything on Sunday. And and uh, Smitty came up to me, he points at me, he's like, "You wanna?" I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "You wanna drive it?" I was like, "Sure, fuck it, why not?" So. Um, I went out to the truck, I grabbed my gear bag, I grabbed my helmet and, um, you know, what I thought were going to be my last rate laps at Beechridge was in a legend car where, 
competitively, that is the case. Um, you know, the last race I was in at Beechridge was in a legend car where a uh, pretty full circle moment there where my dad's first race was in a legend car there. So that was cool to have. And I was okay with that. I had come to terms with that. And, uh, Smitty offered up the last practice, the last ever sport series practice in the number one sport series, which, you know, that, had, that's been my number forever. You know, I was the number one sport series car for again, about 10 years. And, um, you know, Smitty and I, a lot of people don't know this, but when Smitty knew that he was going to come back and, uh, and, and race, we had a handshake agreement because I knew that I was going to do the throwback to my father in 2020, uh, because it was going to be the 20th year that I had been racing. So that's where the 23 came from that red, white, and blue scheme that we had. It was all throwback to my father. We had a handshake agreement. Again, this is all pre knowledge of what we have now, but it was a handshake agreement of, Hey, um, you know, yeah, let's do it. Let's get you back in the one car. There's only one stipulation. It has to look like the Batmobile. He was all for it. So that's where, you know, the, why the car was black and, you know, yellow and red with the one on there. And it was cool to have him in there and, and experience racing with him next to that car. That was always really cool. Uh, when we were side by side in 2020 and, um, you know, from there that the things with the super late model progressed and, and, um, kind of came out of nowhere for, for the most part and changed plans for, for this year quite a bit. And, um, you know, he, he had kept it because I said, you know, if anybody's going to have it, if I'm not going to be in the, the sports series full time, I'd rather have you have it and know exactly where that number is and, and where it belongs. So, um, he raced it all this year. He won the, his fourth championship in the sports series. One of only, I believe eight drivers to do that, uh, which is incredible. And, uh, he offered up that last practice and, uh, you know, I, I went and grabbed my suit. I wore my, my throwback suit to my dad, the white one with the, the red stripes on the arms and the helmet that looks like his. And, uh, I went out there and now I can say that the last ever laps I did or participated in drove around Beach Ridge motor speedway was in a number one sports series car. So that's pretty, pretty fucking cool. And that was pretty special. And, um, I appreciate Chris for asking me, uh, if I wanted to do that, uh, that was again, really special moment for me. I remember coming up off of turn number four and you know, the flag flagger gave us two to go. And I knew right there that that was going to be the last, last two laps I had around the place and, uh, started having a moment while I was driving. You know, the whole day was pretty emotional. Um, you know, I went off and, you know, gave us the one to go through the checkered out and, uh, I went down pretty slow pace and I was the only one left on the track for that practice. I took an extra cool down lap and I just went really slow and just kind of took it all in and, and pulled off and cried like a little cunt. Yeah. <laughs> Once I pulled the, pulled the car in, I got out and, uh, you know, I, I will always, always, always remember that moment. And that was again, in- incredibly special. And, and I, I'll never be able to thank Smitty for letting me do that. Um, enough you know it, it's a it's something that uh you know i'll hold very very dearly to me there's pictures of it there's there's a video of it so um that's something i'll be able to have forever and that's that's something that means a lot to me and uh that being said uh we went out and we watched some racing uh afterwards they all all three shows were incredible by the way the wildcat race they put on an absolute heater of a show uh rob herrick who apparently had not won at beechridge motor speedway since 1994 um, he is known very well or very much for bringing damn near or if not the prettiest race car to the racetrack, but he's always by himself. He's a one man crew. Um, he's got a gorgeous looking race car and he goes out there 
and the show was pretty much dominated between Billy Childs and um, Skip, Skip Stanley. Stanley. They were putting on a show, but towards the end there, they started beating and banging, and Rob never let them out of sight, really. You know, he was only maybe five car lengths back, running in third, and he got kind of fucked up in a restart and fell back to fifth and, and started charging his way back up. And, you know, Bobby and I were standing next to each other on the hill. We're like, wouldn't it be fucking cool if, if Rob finally pulled this off? And, um, you know, we're like, fuck, he, he's, he's staying with him. He's, he's right there. And then, you know, Billy Childs and Skip Stanley kind of started playing fuck, fuck games and got into each other quite a bit. And, you know, Rob takes the lead. Yellow comes out. He takes the top both times. And Bobby, like, fuck, he is making it awful hard for himself if he wants to top both times. And, uh, you know, Rob fired off. They were side by side still, him and Skip Stanley. And, um, you know, they came down through turns three and four, fucking broadside. And, you know, from where we were standing, it looked really close. And um, it was to the point where Andy Austin was, you know, asking the fans, you know, who do you think won and, you know, putting on a show like he always does. And, um, you know, they they finally gave, came across and said that Rob had won it, and we all went fucking nuts. Uh, you know, Rob, you know, I know that we like a Billy Childs. We, we like the, the BFP stickers on the one car. But uh, seeing Rob, Rob be able to pull that off and take home the last Wildcat trophy was pretty cool, pretty special moment. Um yeah, I think that everyone in the bar was on the same page because uh, I don't know Rob Herrick. Yeah, don't never met him ever. Uh, don't wouldn't know what he looks like. Um, but it was very clear that everyone was cheering for him. Uh, the the group of people that we had asked me, "Who are you cheering for in this race?" And I said, "Billy Childs." Um, so then when Billy Childs got completely driven through by the zero two, uh, I was like, "Oh well." I guess I'm cheering for Rob Herrick because that's what everyone <laughs> yeah. else is doing. It seems like it's going to be a popular win if he does so. So uh, I was up just jumping around on the picnic table, like, you know, and, and some of our friends that have, haven't even been to Beechridge for a weekly show or whatever were doing the exact same for him. And uh, everyone was excited. It was it was a very, uh, very popular win, I would say. Um, and then right after the street stock race going into the sports series show, I mean, holy fuck that, you know, you you, you, you get the first, that Wildcat race was, was uh, so great that it was like oh how are they gonna be able to top it in the sports series race and they damn near did yeah. uh with joe pastore and bubba pelton just you know it seemed as though you know it, joe came from the back and bubba started kind of up front and it kind of looked like bubba had the best car was going to kind of drive away with it but then there was a couple of late race yellows and joe got back up to him and uh made it one hell of a show and they came completely sideways across the line to the point where in the bar you 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 kind of couldn't tell i mean i guess I kind of had an inkling that Bubba had gotten him, but it was very, very close, and you, we weren't one hundred percent sure. Um, but it was, it was a great race either way, and uh, I mean, that's just that, that was, it was a great way. Right after those two races ended, I think that, I think maybe even after the street stock race, the wildcat race, I looked over, and uh, my my Sunday started at Sean Foster's house. I uh, woke up there somewhat hungover and uh, made the trip trip back. And uh, Sean was close behind. He he was leaving. Uh, he dropped me off back at the track and going to pick up uh, or getting picked up by one of his buddies, Max, there. And uh, they're going to mosey on up to Beach Ridge for the finale. And, and after that first race, they were both like, wow, like, that was that was crazy. And then like the street star, the, the sports series race comes comes out and the exact same thing happens almost. And they're like, holy fuck, like it's been two incredible races mm. um, and that it was. And then then the uh, the. Know, pro stocks come out super late models and and they put on a show and and wyatt drove you know not from the back but drove drove a good race and uh obviously made made uh you know a very popular and emotional win capped off the the night just as uh you know couldn't really ask for a better better ending i would i would think but it was uh it was a great great night of racing and uh 
it was something that, and I think that if that is in fact the last race, it's something that all of us are like, yeah, that was. If if there was a way was to do it, I think we did it right. Yeah, I really do. Um, not that not that anybody wants it to be done and over with, but um, you know, I I already saw CMP fucking excavation stakes in the ground, so uh, that's never a good good look. Uh, never a good uh indication of things to come. But um, I think where the night really really um takes takes the not a turn but takes the uh you know the special moment is everything had happened i'm sitting in the stands again same spot where i used to sit with my grandmother and and just watching you know usually i'm 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 right down on the racetrack there you know being a part of happy half hour and, and watching all the 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 cars come out and the pits and and um you know just watching it and and uh you know, I just sat there and I, I looked and I'm watching all these people and uh, I just waited till they all left. And I, I took a picture of the racetrack empty. Um, then it was, uh, it was just, it was the moment that I needed, you know, I, I, I've, I had several moments that whole day, but, um, it was hard. It was really hard. It still is hard. It's, um, it's just shitty. It seems like a giant waste. Um, it seems like something that didn't need to happen the way that it did. Uh, it seems like something that could have been potentially prevented. Um, but you know, that's, that's not a decision for, for you or I to make, unfortunately. And, um, you know, from there it was, uh, it was, it became quite the party. Actually, we, we went into the, the pit area there. We hung out in Kristen and Smitty's, uh, the trailer there. And, you know, he's got speakers. We were playing Kamaz. We were playing all the, all the tunes that Beatridge is known for and, uh, having a time. And, and we stole a golf cart. Uh, took a took a few final laps around uh, both the go kart track and the big track, and you know I did that with Nicole, Bobby's sister, and you know we we grew up on the little track, and then we you know we progressed into the big track, and it was it was important for us to do that. But um, some of the bigger, more special moments uh, came later, where um, Dan Walker and Sue Walker they uh, they grabbed me and. Uh, they they knew that I was I was having a hard time with it all and um they asked if I wanted to go on one one last lap and I said yeah yeah I, I do want to do that so I hopped on the back of the the golf cart and we we came off uh, onto the racetrack then she asked if there is any place I I want to go I said let's just do one last lap around the go kart track okay um so she does that and you know that was cool that's where it all started you know that was that's, you know, that's where all those trophies behind you came from, you know, the little track at Beechridge and, you know, that's where, that's where a passion was born. And, um, we, we came off of four of the little track and we did, we did a lap around the big track and, uh, did that and, um, uh, pulled off and, um, Dan asked me if I wanted to lock the gate and a lot of people don't know this. Not a lot of people wouldn't know this, but he asked me if I wanted to lock the gate, um, I said, sure. He's like, all right, hang on. So he goes and th- drops the golf cart off, gets his car with Sue and you know, they, they pull through the gate and he's like, all right, go for it. And, uh, you know, I was the one to close the gate and lock it for the last, the last race there. So that was a, that was a pretty special moment. Um, hard, very hard moment, but you know, it, it, there was all sorts of moments, you know, after, after sitting in the stands, you know, I'm sitting there with, with Jeff Walker and Julie and, and, uh, you know, Lindsay had found us all cause you know, we're, we're sitting there and, uh, you know, I, it, 
yeah, I saw you, you idiots down there shotgunning beers on the, the, the start finish line underneath the flag stand and, you know, having your moments and, and doing some cool stuff and pouring, pouring one out for the homies there. And, uh, you know, Jeff, Jeff was having a really hard time too. And I just looked down, I was like, you want a beer, man? Let's go have a beer. He's like, all right. So we all walked down there to the start finish line. We, we had a beer and, um, you know, one of the harder parts was, was seeing Ethan there, Jeff and Jeff's, um, son. And, uh, you know, he started bawling his eyes out because he, he realized that he's never going to be able to take a lap around the same racetrack that his dad did or his grandfather or anybody else. And, you know, he starts losing it. Lindsay starts losing it. Jeff starts losing it. Julie starts losing it. I'm like, Holy fuck. Like it's just heavy. It's a lot. And, uh, I don't know what prompted me to do it, but, uh, I whipped a Sharpie out. Those that don't know, I always have a Sharpie on me and, uh, I, I just signed the start finish line and I, I did a, I did like a indie kiss the bricks deal. And, uh, that was my last moment. And, uh, you know, just as we're all kind of taking it all in, they, they shut the lights off and that was it. And then, uh, that led to, to locking the gate. So it was hard. It was really hard. It's, uh, it's shitty. It's, uh, you know, that's the second home is gone and that's sucks. Um, but, um, that being said, um, I don't know if you have a different version or whatever yours was like, but, um, it was cool to just be a fan, you know, that started off being a fan there, progressed into go-karts, progressed into, uh, the Thursday series, progressed into NASCAR night you know, uh, doing the sports series, winning big races, winning races, uh, doing well in points, you know, going to the banquets and meeting friends and family and, um, meeting people that are for sure going to change the course of our lives for sure. Um, if that place did not exist. So, um, for me, it, yeah. it still doesn't, it just doesn't feel real. So, uh, it's something that, I don't think that I had those those exact moments. It was it was kind of a moment in the bar where I was realizing that a lot of our friends who are are not Beechridge regulars um, came up from from out of state, from New Hampshire, from Connecticut, from you know Massachusetts, and you know standing there with all of them, and this isn't this isn't their home track's funeral, and you're but you're standing with all their all your friends, and you're like, oh well, they they have a home too, and and now their home's going to be our home, so we're going to go down, and you know, I'm sure next year we'll be doing doing some traveling, and uh, you know, we'll we'll have we'll find a new home, and and all those friends will still be there, um, and the people that we met along the way at Petridge are going to also relocate, and uh, you know, we'll be seeing a lot of the same people and just making memories in someone else's play playground. So I, th- I think it'd be really cool, and I, I've been thinking about this and how to do it. I don't know how to do it yet, though. I think it'd be really cool to have, um, different racetracks, um, whether it be, you know, Tom Mayberry in Oxford or, or, uh, the Jordan family or, or Ken Minot from Wiscasset or, or Joe Bassett from Lee, but like do like a, an adopt a dri- like an adopt a driver from Beechridge or like, um, like an adoption draft or something like that and go through the series and be like, Hey, you know, you're welcome here. We'd love to have you. Um, whether it's where they actually race or not, it would just be still be cool to have. I don't know how to do that, but I think there's there's something there um, to be able to celebrate these guys who got guys and girls that you know they put so much into a place that's now it's just gone and, or very well potentially could be gone. And uh, you know that feeling 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 like you don't have a home is hard. 
Um, I've experienced that in life a lot of times. Um, you know, we're, we're sitting in the house that I grew up in and, uh, there was a pretty, pretty good chunk of time there where this, this didn't feel like home because of circumstances and, and certain people being around and, and, uh, not being able to come here and, and, and sleep in my own bed that, you know, that, that it's hard to be able to not call someplace your true home. Um, and, and I've, I had that feeling for a long time and I, I've started to kind of come out of it a little bit, but, uh, Beechridge was the one place that I could call home and, you know, not, not to sound again, liberal or whatever, but it was our, it was our safe place. It was our place where we could go and, uh, be somebody and, and just, you know, the world would melt away for a little bit, but, uh, now that's gone too. So, uh, we all need to find a new home. We need to adopt drivers. We need to do whatever it is. We need to place these guys and, and, um, not let them just fade away. Cause that shit's important. Uh, can't have that. You know, these are all hot top notch race cars, top notch drivers and then crews and, and everything. So whether it's Oxford, Wiscasset, Star, uh, Lee doesn't matter, you know, get unity going again. I don't care what it is, but these guys still need to race. These cars still need to be on the racetrack and, and, um, you know, that, that shit's important. Um, but, but leading into important things and, and, and archiving things and, and pre- pre- preserving the history of it is that we're, of what it is that we're doing, um, our, one of our newest pals or recent pal, uh, coming up on our, what do you call it? Friend anniversary. Yeah. Uh, we met about a year ago, uh, this weekend, fall final at Stafford, Stafford motor speedway. Um, Daniel Kaminsky or Daniel Eugene, Daniel Eugene photography. Uh, we promote him quite a bit. He, he does an incredible job at capturing the story and the essence of, of what a race weekend is like, what the, the story is behind, uh, every picture and every facet of the racetrack. It's not just about the cars and and going left that that's a small portion of it. Yes, sure. But, um, it, it's, uh, it's important to document this and, and he is incredible at it. He is an incredible human being. He's very intelligent, and he uh, he knows how to tell the story visually that we always try to tell audibly. Um, so what we have done, we kind of have given you guys a double dose here uh, in terms of interviews. So uh, I don't think we've done a two interview show in quite a while. No, um, no, it's been, and we have only done it maybe a handful of times. But um, up next, we have an incredible segment with our good pal Daniel Eugene. Um, he made the trek out to Beechridge on Thursday to help document that for us. Um, it was only a second time there, but we also want to talk about you know, what it is that he does, why he does it, and why it's important that these photographers are celebrated and and, and um, put into a light that is much different than what it has been over the years. And and they, they do us an incredible service. They do us um, something that you know we have forever, and that's because of these people with cameras. And they're so incredibly talented at what they do. And, um, you know, it's up to us to, to help put them in a different light. And it's very important. And, uh, well, let's just hear about it from Daniel himself. All right, boys and girls. So uh, this is going to be segment two here on episode 134. Uh, you've heard all about him. We promote the shit out of him. We love his work. Um, he does all sorts of cool things for short track racing and knows how to tell the story um, that we try to tell audibly. But he does it through a camera lens and he does it brilliantly. Um, we love you to death, pal. This is our good pal, Daniel Eugene. Um, what's going on, man? Oh, hey. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get a here? Hi. But no, it's uh, what's going on, man? We, we've done a lot of cool things lately. We, we brought you out to Beechridge. You, 
we were all at Stafford together this past weekend and, and, and you know, tell it, tell us a story for those that don't know, you know, we, we've gotten you, we've gotten you around our, our little gaggle recently and, and, and try to promote you as much as possible. But for those that don't know, we do have listeners all over the place. Who the, who the fuck is Daniel Eugene? I'm Daniel Eugene. My name is Daniel Eugene Kaminsky. Um, my old racing friends from quarter midgets call me Danny Kaminsky. I've been reconnecting with them a lot. So Danny is also acceptable, but Daniel Eugene is the brand Daniel Eugene photography. Um, yeah, I, 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 Thursday, I drove up to beach Ridge, had an exceptional time with you and your crew up there. And, uh, Friday, Stafford, Saturday, Stafford, and Sunday, I would have liked to come back, but I didn't, uh, I had a dear friend, Nicole Morgillo, who is uh, an exceptional race car driver in her own right, um, raced SK mods at Stafford and Waterford, actually the only female driver ever to win an SK race at Waterford, and um, she has uh, two beautiful twins named Logan and Liana, and they uh, have a little birthday party, and Ended up going there for that. So I, and today is Monday and it feels like uh, I got run over by a Miller Lite truck full of race car parts and asphalt and rubber and of course Miller Lite. Um, yeah. So, um, but I, uh, I'm, 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 I grew up racing quarter midgets at Silver City Quarter Midget Club in uh, Meriden, Connecticut. Um, discreetly located behind the American Legion um, on Hanover <laughs> Road. And uh, it's actually, that's, you know, my dad grew up coming to the races at West Haven Speedway and Plainville uh, Speedway and of course Stafford and Waterford and Thompson. Um, so I come from a racing family, a racing background, um, race quarter midgets from 1992 to 2000 at Silver City. Other um, names that might be recognizable who got their start at Silver City to go on to make some really great success. Besides Nicole Morgillo, um, you might know him, Ryan Priest, Joey Logano, David Gravel, um, James Savali, who's I race the most with, and uh, my my number one, Dougie Kobe. Um, all these drivers, Erica Santos, Bobby Santos, all of these drivers got their start at Silver City Quarter Midget Club. Um, and I had the real privilege of being there when they were all there. And um, so when I come to Stafford, when I see the Wayland Tour and I see Bobby and Doug on the racetrack, I remember them when they were kids, I remember being kids with them. Um, and so that really ties me to the experience in a way, and it makes me feel so much more connected and impassioned about the stories and the racing and the whole experience um, at large. So uh, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's great. I love, I started taking pictures in like 2015, seriously, I guess you could say I got my real camera. Um, and, uh, Sort of just that I, you know, I, I, I come into the racetrack, bring in the camera with me. Um, you start discovering what's actually happening because, you know, I come like I, over the over the weekend, Beach Ridge, Stafford, Stafford, um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I took like eighteen hundred pictures, 
you know, and then I'm, I'll spend all week going through and, and, and making an edited selection, which turns into a story. But what ends up happening is I, I have the experience, I'm in the experience, I'm documenting the experience. And then I come home and I re-immerse myself and like discover so much more that I was, even though I'm taking a picture that I was oblivious of, or like, you know, or I was, you know, a little tipsy at what, you know, I'm like, let's see what happens last um you know hours uh midnight to three in the morning <laughs> i think, I think so, one of the coolest uh, yeah. things that i've ever heard you say um i think we were actually at beechers on thursday and you're, you're taking pictures you're doing your thing as you always do and, and you're you're famous for the the snipe it, you, you just know how to just snipe a picture and just catch somebody in, a, in their total element and, and tell the story of what's happening in that very moment. But I asked you, I said, what, why don't you, well, like, let's just take some pictures of you real quick. Like, let's get, let's get you in beer. Like you're never in the photo. And the yeah. first thing that was out of your mouth, you're like, I'm in every photo. <laughs> and I was like, that's actually really fucking cool to think about it like that because that is that's your eye that we're literally seeing what you see and, and the, the story that you want to tell and that's what's so brilliant about what you do and that's what we want to promote you know there there are tons of people there that are incredible photographers and there's this big giant list that we've gone through several times but the art of taking a picture of a race car whether it's moving or still um, that's an art form in itself but you are quite literally telling the story of the weekend or you're telling the story of whatever it is that we're doing and you've you've got the you know very rarely do you go through a, a racing album of any event and it's not just race cars um mm -hmm. you, know, you have the people you've got the sights the sounds the smells sometimes even you capture that in the photo yeah. and it's incredible how i don't know how the fuck you do it but you're able to tell the story that we do audibly through the visual representation of still photo yeah. and it's incredible so my question to you is that you started off at the Silver City, uh, you know, quarter midget club, and, and you got to race with all of these big names. And, and as any little any little kid racing go karts or quarter midgets, whatever it is, you always have an aspiration to go above and beyond and progress yourself through the ranks. But where did the where did the transition between a steering wheel to a camera come in? Because you know, did you ever have that aspiration to go and race cars or did you just kind of naturally fall into it with a camera? I mean, I've always, I've been an artist. So I, 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 you know, after quarter midgets, you know, unconventional sort of path, um, dropped out of high school my senior year, got an alternative diploma. I dropped out of high school with two middle fingers up saying, fuck you, I'm never coming back. Put that out there. So <laughs> the personality has always been there. Um, you know, I've always just sort of been determined to, to, to discover my own perspective and to, you know, I've always been suspicious of like other people telling me the way things are. I always need to figure it out for myself. And, you know, I, I spent the better part of 15 years living in New Haven and practicing my visual art. I draw, I do line drawings. Um, I opened a studio in uh, Erector Square, which is a factory space in New Haven, actually where they used to make Erector sets. Um, they turned it into artist lofts and I um, produced my own events and had exhibitions of my work there and like created a community space, invited people in, very social, very much about the experience. It's not 
you know, what I always say, art's not working if it doesn't get off the wall. You know, if it's only on the wall, it's not working. You know, it's got to get in you. It's got to be in the room. It's got to be in the experience that you're having. So, you know, and and I, I was very dedicated and devoted to that for a while and had minor successes and, you know, showed some work, you know, regionally and whatever. But it just, you know, it created a sensitivity, I think think that then when I started working with my mentor, who I worked with for the better part of 10 years, John Hill, um, who is a remarkable photographer in his own right and um, has been influenced by some of the greatest American photographers, not the least of which is Walker Evans, who I'm pretty sure if he ever showed up at the racetrack, he would have been, had a big smile by the time he walked out. But um, Walker Evans was the type of guy who would take a picture of the corner of a room with like a plant on a table and like it would tell the story of the whole house you know like and you look at it and you're like why is this such a shocking image it's literally a plant on a table beside a couch in a corner <laughs> so like i think i'm coming from in a, a, a variety of influences in my background that are unique and that generally those influences don't necessarily come together in one person and they don't often then end up at a racetrack so but I mean, I really do feel like going fast and sort of like triggered something in me. Like it opened a gate in me that if I never raced, never would have been open. And that gate is where me as an artist came from and just the sensitivity and like the feeling, you know, when I go out to the club, like I walk in the room and like you, you feel the whole room. The experience is wall to wall and I'm a performer, I do drag. So being in drag and being a performer, like you are supporting the energy of the entire location that you're in. And if you're really doing it well, you're, you're influencing all four corners of the room just by walking across it. So there's a certain self-awareness and intention to being present wherever you are um and being at the racetrack i think that performance element is very real for for me because i i have the experience doing it but like it's also you know it's just being present really it's being fully and immersed immersed in where you are and what you're doing and who you're with and it's one of the reasons why the racetrack has become such a powerful experience for me um, especially over the past several years, since I've really been showing up as who I am, like shamelessly, like, this is me, this is who I am. This is, I love this. I belong here for the longest time. I, I didn't go to the races because I didn't have that sense. I didn't have that confidence. And like, I was just like, it just wasn't there for me yet. So, um, so getting to that point was like a really big deal for me because since then I've met so many, I've actually started making relationships and meeting the drivers and talking to the teams and meeting guys like you and meeting extraordinary people like Cassie Rocco, who's a dear friend and reconnecting with my old race friends who like, I never, I, I just, you know, I was like, I didn't feel like I could be who I was and a race i couldn't be gay and a race person at the same time you know those two things couldn't live in the same room and over the past couple of years it's just been really awesome because 
it, they can. And like, it's just done wonders for my sense of like, I feel like I'm catching up with who I've always been, which is, I am a race person. I am a race car driver. I love it so much. Like I cry. Like sometimes I'm like, you know, those long green flag runs, like I don't mind them because when it turns into a meditation and like, you're really watching the way the drivers are taking on the track and it becomes like this push and pull and like almost like psychic you get inside their helmets and you're like you know to me that is a very valid and important part of the racing experience so i we don't you know if every if, if that if every race can't be an sk light race at stafford you know <laughs> yeah but that i don't know that gives it's a little bit of a tangent there but you know, being the story that takes place at the racetrack is, and you've talked, we've talked about this, Brad and Charlie, like they, 10% of the story is on the track, maybe 10. I feel like that's even a generous number. And really 90% of the racing experience happens in the pits, it happens in the stands, and it happens in the campground with the people who are show up for each other and you know the fires light up at the end of the night and you can literally put stuff your pockets with no light and you can walk over to any fire and you can crack a beer and hand it to somebody and say hey this is who i am how's it going who do you go for how about the race today and you're just you're welcomed and you have a friend for 10 minutes or however long you decide to stick around and i just there's there's no other place that I have been to where it's just that where that happens and that's just like an essential part of the culture of where you are you know and then and then you know and then being at Beach Ridge like getting to new tracks like Stafford is my home track and Stafford I'm happy and proud to call Stafford my home track I think it's an extraordinary facility and I think it's being run really well and the people who are running it the Root family like they're, they're good people. They're solid. You know, Paul runs a late model. Dave runs an SK mod. And so like, they're, they're, they're all about it. You're at staff. It's unlike other short tracks too, you know, but getting, you know, last year COVID happened. And, <laughs> is it still happening? But racing. Don't watch the movie. <laughs> I feel like racing cut through COVID like a hot knife through butter. <laughs> you know, I, I was at the end of the 2019 season, I was really getting going. I was really realizing that this is something that I want to commit myself to. This is a place that I want to be more and more at. And I want to start telling the story. You know, I want to start you know, I'm looking at the pictures that I have and you can, it, it's, I'm like, this is, there's something essential here and meaningful going on. And I want to participate with that, with my camera, you know, and as a fan, I never wanted to compromise my fan status <laughs> to be a photographer at the racetrack, you know, and like this year was the first year I ever went in the infield at Stafford. Cause I have, was officially, I got media credentials this year. So I have, so being, Having that, I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to go in the infield. I went in the infield once and I was like, I, I think I got my fix. I don't think I need to be there. <laughs> um, it's really exciting, but you, you you have no idea what's going on. You 
It's very difficult to follow the race from the infield, like the whole race. I mean, if you're on a team and you're looking at one car, yeah, you can follow it. But And then you're taking pictures and like, you walk, it's just like, it's awesome and it's intense, but I'm like, I want a beer and I want to be with my buddies and I want to be screaming, you know, and I want to be enjoying this race right now. And I want to be capturing that, you know, so you're, you're compromising all of that experience to get inside. And, you know, every once in a while, I still, I still think it's valuable to do it because you gain levels, it's challenging. And when you get, you know, a one thirtieth of a second trailing shot and you nail it, like that's a very rewarding feeling as a photographer and visually it's, it's sensational. It's, but there's a lot of guys out there who are, who do that better than I do. And there's not a lot of guys out in the stands doing what I do when I'm, you know, I, I think I'm one of the only ones, but there's, there are actually some good guys that I met. Paul Folin is sort of under the radar, but he, he's an exceptional character who it gets the shots. And Paul Kuleza, I think his last, that's how you pronounce it. He's another one that walks through and snaps, you know, the things that are mundane, but I feel like that age really well. You know, I, I, one of the things I think about when I first started taking pictures, studying Walker Evans and being really under the influence of, of my friend and, and mentor, John Hill, was future history became this concept that I sort of got obsessed with. Like, because future history is now. It's actually, it's just another way of calling presence, presence. But when you're at the, when you're at the races, that is it's so vital the future history element is so vital it's like electric so you know walker evans says you know take your picture throw it in a drawer take your picture out in 20 years there it is that's what you got you know and so i just feel like the times that we're having as fans as race people you know and the stories off the track, like that's, those are the pictures I love to see on like, the, the, when I, I follow all these classic NASCAR accounts and like those old, old time accounts. And when you're looking at a picture from 25 years ago, Jeff Bodine or, you know, Jimmy Spencer, you know, or Dick Trickle, like it's, there's something in those photos that I want, that's the story I want to tell about right now, you know? Yeah. And, Going, going back to like what you said about, you know, you go walk over to any fire in, in the camping lot and you have a beer, you, you offer someone a beer, you talk to them about the races, whatever, you have a friend for even 10 minutes. I think that that's really your, your picture is like, so when we first got introduced to you, it was about a year ago, the, the fall final at Stafford, the, the first first time we it's ever- our one year friend anniversary. Yeah, the first time we ever really ran into you. And it was very evident immediately that you were beloved around the, the Stafford community. And it was, it was cool. It was, and then- so it's been nice to, you know, go down to Stafford, go down to Thompson, get these pictures, you know, taken of us just with people that we just met. And they're not, maybe they're not people that we talk to week in and week out, but that's a memory and that's a moment that we were having the best time. Nothing else in the world mattered. And like you said, in 25 years, we look at that picture and we're like, oh yeah, that's the time that I was hanging out with so-and-so. And, you know, maybe I haven't talked to them in 25 years, but that that moment is now captured and it's hanging on the wall. That That is the perfect way to encapsulate. I, I just made a post uh, from Thursday night. We're at Beechridge, right? Taylor, you know, our, our, our friend Taylor, we love her dearly. 
Um, I think Amanda had one too. They they had like Polaroid cameras that just printed yeah. off the picture right there. It's it's a classic to have one of those. Uh, but she had it and she took this shot of Brad and I. That was just I, I thought it was just really cool right off the bat. So I, I put it down on the, the the picnic table at the Turn Five Tavern and I snapped a shot of it from my phone, like a picture within a picture. Mm-hmm. And the caption just says in quotes, "So your uncle Bradford and I." Like yeah. that's literally what you're saying. It's the future history. Like we're gonna look back on that one day and like, whoa, Reagan, fuck off. Anyway, um, <laughs> but like it's the it's the moment that that's captured right then and there of, you know, you know, you know, 20, 30 years from now, I'm gonna be talking to my kids hopefully or somebody's kids or whatever, and he's gonna be like, yeah, your uncle Charlie's a fucking idiot. Like you, this this night we did whatever. Like I'll you know. Uncle Bradford and I, or Uncle Bradley and I, we we did this. So it's it's funny actually. Before we even jumped on this call, uh, my laptop. I we just downloaded the Justin Bonsinger interview, and I just saved it. And my laptop was just sitting there open with my background. And my background is actually Sean Foster lighting a lighting my friend Tyler Johnson's uh, now like fucking bazooka type uh, Roman candle. And uh, I'm Iron Man uh, War Machine. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> one of those yeah. So my 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 background is literally like a picture that you took with all of our friends just doing absolutely dumb shit, like something that probably maybe we shouldn't have been doing. Um, <laughs> but it's like it, it, all those pictures. So like it's it's I think that the Black Flag podcast and Daniel Eugene photography are very like they coexist very well they pair yeah they're They're very parallel so like they we're both trying to do the same thing whereas like like the 90 percent is like off the racetrack 10 percent is racing whatever like that's it's kind of what we're doing and what you're doing at the exact same time and you photograph what we're doing and then we have the audio programs that help you know try to get people to the races and promote this this atmosphere that is so it's like a drug it's like you it's it's so it's so much fun it's like you can go to the racing and if you have a bad like like we say if there's a bad race you you maybe you know if you just go for the race you're gonna remember that there was a bad race and maybe you don't go back next time well if you go to the race and it's a bad race then you have the best time ever in the parking lot you're gonna be like oh i can't wait to go to the races and it's not even going for the races it's going for the people and the atmosphere and the you know the the drinking and the the fires and just having a good time with those with those people yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, it's the storytelling element as well, because like it's, you know, there's a narrative to the day. And that's one of the things I like, I'm, I'm not so much interested in taking one great picture and the one picture sums it up. I like the, the slideshow and I like the in-between moments and I like the downtime that is just true to what goes on and then it builds and then, you know, and it, you, you sort of travel around the whole space. And I like showing that because I think that is really engaging to a potential fan. You know, I think that is an extremely marketable angle for our sport because people might not understand going fast and turning left, but people understand a good time and good people and, you know, like good track food, you know, like festival food, whatever, you know, like, and, in good drink and good company. So it's just, that's, that, that's my natural inclination anyway. But then I'm just thinking about it. Like our sport is in a really interesting flux period. You know, I grew up in the nineties. I grew up watching like 
the the like the the high the nadir of NASCAR, you know. And I was racing quarter midgets at like a, the nadir of quarter midgets. Like, and it, it even went on a little after me. And you, and you had huge car counts, and you had extraordinary competition that created drivers like Doug Kobe and Joey Logano, and you know. So it's like. You know, and I, I've recently gotten back involved with Silver City with my buddy, Johnny Morgillo. We started an alumni association because we didn't have one. And like, we were all wayward. You graduate oh, home and you, you root for your, you root for the guy that you knew when he was at the track, you know? So we started a program and, and Silver City had really low car counts, you know, it was looking sort of a little dire, you know? So we came in and we started an alumni association and we rallied over 600 Silver City Quarter Midget alumni. That track has been there since the early 60s. And now all of a sudden you have a conversation going on between three generations of Silver City alumni and people are showing up at the track again. And we started a driver development program, which is a car rental program so that people don't need to invest $5,000 in order to just try it out. It's a $400 you rent your car for the year, car is race ready. And I, I traveled down to Cumming, Georgia, Cumming, Georgia, <laughs> home of the 1999 Eastern Grands that I raced at to acquire like 10 cars from Jody Talent, who is a, who is a, a quarter midget alum and very involved in quarter midgets still down there with his kids. But like, we did all this work. And now basically, long story short, the track membership has doubled. And we're looking at 2022 and a track that had 30 members in 2019 and 2021, very realistically, it's going to be just short of a hundred. And like, so like, this is the type of, like, we need to look at our sport and like, and, and, and just be like content. This is the content you guys, like there needs to be an authenticity to the rebranding that's going on NASCAR. Like you can't fabricate authenticity. Like if you're going to put Splenda in my coffee and call it sugar, it's like, that's a fucked up move. Like <laughs> there's so much Splenda in NASCAR right now. And they're like sugar. And they're like, no, 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 no. That's fucking Splenda, dude. Episode 134. If you're going to put Splenda in my coffee and call it sugar, that's a fucked up move. <laughs> <laughs> that's a... Uh... So and this is this is the raw deal, dude. This is like you guys are straight up bone dry, well shaken with olives. You know, it's like it's not a watered down beverage. You know, and yeah, you need to have professionalism. We, you've learned. I'm learning. Like I can't get shit canned and then try and go out on the track in victory lane. Like okay, <laughs> you know, I'm learning. People can hear the fucking eye roll you just had. That would have been incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning. Yeah. No, but that's a that's a very serious thing. Like if I'm like and I'm I have to be a, I have to have a wherewithal that is a, a modicum of professionalism. And you know, I had a guy come up to me at the World Series last year and be like, people are paying attention to you. And I was like, oh, oh no. 
And he's like, you know what? You just when you're out there, like you know, just be aware of that. And then when you come back here and you're hanging out at the camp, do whatever the fuck you want. Like enjoy, but just have at least like you know a wherewithal of of that realization because that's you, there's a responsibility there and, and you should honor that because it's, I want to be successful. You know, it's like a fine, I mean, it's a fine line though because you. You want to, like you said, the, the difference between professionalism and authenticity, that there used to not be a difference, or there used to be a huge difference, I should say. Yeah. Being professional, you, you put a suit on, you act like a robot, you go do your job, whatever, come home, and then you could be yourself. But I think what we're discovering is that there, there's no reason why, when it's appropriate, that you can't be professional, but still be yourself. Do you know what I mean? There, like there's there's a very fine line there and it, it's hard to follow sometimes but um it, there there's no reason why i don't think that you can do both and then when it is appropriate again go and fuck off and have a good time it's that's that's the fine line that we have like andy austin said we've kind of got started to master because when we first started the show it was all based on show. it was all based on you know we're gonna have beers and we're gonna talk racing and we still have beers and talk racing, but we don't have 12 beers a piece and talk race. Or, and then him record. Or mumble. <laughs> <laughs> it was very, when we first started and we had, you know, 200 listeners a week, we're like, oh, this is great. We're just going to get shit faced and just talk into a microphone. And then we were like, once we started, you know, once Noah Gregson was like, oh, I like your show. We should, like, you should you know, have me on. We're like, yeah we should stop doing this. Like, <laughs> I think we should probably change our ways. So it, it's kind of the turning point that we need it. Once the, once the digits of listeners went from one to two to three, and then it was in four, we're like, Oh fuck. All right. <laughs> yeah. Like people yeah. actually are paying attention. So uh, I, I wouldn't say that. Attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's a weird realization to have. It is. It, it Cause it's, because to us we're still just on a broken wooden table in the basement of some house that nobody knows is where it is but the same thing you do the same thing though like you you can snap a picture and you have no idea who's going to see that or how many people are going to see that and then once you see it on a form of social media from either an individual or from the albums that you put out or whatever it's a very um it's a very not in your head moment, but a very like self-realization of like, oh my fuck, like I I I am someone in this community. And mm-hmm. that that's part of what we talked about in the the, the episode with Andy Austin talking about Beechers is that it brought us it, it was a place that, you know, you could be a mailman, you know, eight to five, but when you walk through the picket there, by golly, I am the number nineteen mighty truck, or I am the you know, number one sports series or whatever it is, you know, I am somebody here and that that's important. And it's important to capture that too, because for, for far too long and it's far too many places, there isn't any documentation of a lot of things. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of things like, you know, Oxford Plain Speedway who won the Saturday night show, July, whatever, 1982, nobody knows that. But every time that we go out and do this or, or you're there to, to visually document it, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, there, there's quite literally an archive of something from the weekend or yeah. from from a moment that was important to somebody. You know, even mm-hmm. even on, on TV, you know, ESPN, you know, classic, they play fucking college football games from, you know, the 80s. I don't give a fuck about that, but somebody in that game is probably watching or somebody... Yeah that was at that game might be watching and, and that that's the shit that's cool to them. So we're, we're doing the same thing just on a different medium. That's all. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I mean, I think something sort of, I mean, whatever the fate of Beatridge is, you know, it's just, it's just, it was alarming. There was something so shocking, like at large about the realization of the fragility of, of, of things. I let, I, I was so emotional all weekend because of the, just like the um, effusive energy and all the feelings that took that were just in the air at Beatridge on Thursday. Like it just, it was a really human moment. And like, it just, it sort of stand out in, in my mind. It's, it's like this just symbolic mortal, you know, like we're all going to die someday, you know, <laughs> like things aren't forever. Like we only have right now. So, you know, and, and as, as somebody who takes pictures, like it, it reinforced my sense of purpose, especially at the, at the racetrack taking pictures, but just like the reason I want to take a picture to begin with is it's, it might just be what's left, you know, and like my auntie came over for dinner the other day and she had a handful of pictures of like my dad when they were kids and his, his oldest brother who I never met, you know, uncle Billy who passed away before I was born. And like, and it just like, you just, you just, it just fills you with a certain humility. And like, I want to carry that with me at all times. Like I don't want to take anything for granted. And especially at the racetrack because it has become it has become such a huge part of my growth as a personally over the past several years, like my whole life, but, but like really these past couple of years, like, I don't know what I would do without racing right now. Like I would be wayward. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I'd figure it out, but you know, it, it's just, it's just a very humbling thought. And you know, when, when it's, when it's happened, when your neighbor, Beach Ridge, you know, when, when something like that happened and you go and you witness the community mourning and, and trying to reconcile that reality, you know, and then I coming home to my home track and being at Stafford and, and seeing the Whalen Modified Tour and I'm a Whalen Modified Tour whore. Like I'm a, I, I love open wheel tour type mods. Like that, that just gets my rocks off. And like, you know that it, there's a lot i read an article in race day race day ct today sean progesny and he it's like you know it was the lowest average car count for the tour series ever you know and all right it was like the tour type modifieds have splintered you get the tri-track you get the roc you have the mrs and it's like can we get our shit together why are we competing against ourselves like can we work together and all have all of our energies flowing in the same direction instead of intersecting one another conflictedly? Like, so, and I, I'm so glad I'm not responsible for any of the decisions that make that happen because I would probably sleep less than I already do partying at the racetrack. But I, I mean, it's, you know, it's hard to be critical when you really don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but like, you, you want you want it to be successful and the way that i've learned that my best contribution is to be myself there and to take pictures and i really i feel like that's that's my role that's the part i'm playing you know and you're, you're so obviously that's... you're obviously really good at it and that's something that i think that we noticed immediately when we first met you was 
like I said, how beloved you were in the community. And then the, the album finally comes out of the weekend and I'm scrolling through and there's pictures that I'm not even in that I'm like, holy shit, like that's a really cool picture. Like I can basically tell what that atmosphere was like, you know, maybe what they're talking about, you know, what just kind of like how the vibe was in that picture. And so you're like flip, flipping through the, uh, the albums and you find ones of yourself and it's like, oh, this is the coolest picture I've ever had taken of me. And so like, it was cool to see like, you know, we met you a year ago and now within just under a year, we're hiring you to come take pictures of us at Oxford. You know, it was like, it was awesome just to basically have that happen and kind of get, you know, the, our community like up here, because everyone is very partial to their own track. There's clicks and stuff like that and people in familiar faces. But it was like almost like you coming into Beechridge on Thursday. I feel like people embraced you like you were a celebrity. And it was cool yeah. to see that happen because like we all we saw that kind of when we first went to Stafford and now we come up to our own place and like our own people are like, yes, like we know this guy. This guy does the pictures and he does it really well. And so like, you know, everyone's sharing your posts and and really interacting. And it's just super cool to see from our vantage point. Yeah, it feel it feels really good for me as well. You know, like I, I'm in. It's, we're, we're wrapping up 2021 and like, I, I, this is a real serious off season for me because I, I want to do this. I want to sustain myself doing this. I want to travel, you know, I want, I want to immerse myself in like a, a, a broader experience of life. And I want to do that through pictures and I want to do that through grassroots short track racing, you know? So I'm trying to figure out how to make that happen. I think you guys are pretty much in the same boat. You're trying to figure out how can we do this? This is what we want to do, you know, and how, how can we sustain you know, like to do it? Like I want to go to new Smyrna in for speed weeks. And they announced that that's going to be a points race for the tour cars. And I think that's really exciting. And I, I just know that there's a whole personality of experience unique to that event and to that region of our country and that it's going to look, it's going to have a look that's specific to its own thing. And like, I want to, you know, I want to bring that to life. Like I want to, I want that to be a future history, you know, the fans perspective. And so, I, I mean, it's, it's challenging because the media at races, especially it's like it being an artist in general, it's like, there's no middle class, like you're either broke and doing it like on your own dime and doing it because you love it or you know you're you're working for an ass i i don't i don't know where the in-between is <laughs> and i i don't know i i could i could work i don't know i could i could one, i don't want to compromise anything either the one injustice that i have noticed for people in your situation is that the racetrack sometimes almost acts as though they're doing you a favor by letting you come into their racetrack and i've had, I've had some words over the past couple you know, of weeks. And, and you and i have talked about that uh, um separately but the the racetracks all too often act like they're doing you a favor by letting you come into the racetrack and, mm -hmm. and they're letting you to conduct your business there like that they're just letting you do that and that that's how they view a media credential where if they were smart they would be paying you to be there to promote the shit out of their place knowing how much people love you and your work so the, the it's getting looked at in the wrong light because you know it, it takes money to make money and by giving you know giving you what you deserve or any photographer for that matter what you they deserve 
to be there it's it's promotion that's literally advertising like and i don't understand what the disconnect is there um where they think that straight up just media credentials is enough like they're like again they're doing you a favor by letting you in their pick gate where you're you're taking the pictures and telling the story of a weekend that they can use forever and always and the horseshit of oh well this is this is our track anything that you take a picture of is technically our property like eat my fucking ass like no it's not like then go out there with your fucking iphone and take it yourself because they won't and and they're they're using photographers in general and and it's it's horseshit in my opinion and and there's to be compensated for the giant service that you provide for the community yeah you know well, it's just, it's just a thing. It is what it is, I guess. And like, I could stop my feet about it or I could stop showing up or I could get creative. So that's sort of I mean, yeah. like get creative. Just, more. <laughs> I, I think that, I think that at this point we have a decent enough uh, following and platform to, to promote the injustices. And it's not just you, you know, there, there are other, other people that are you know, plenty others that are in the same situation of being used by some of these places and they want to whip out a law buried in some fucking book that nobody's read in 30 years saying that, well, no, technically you owe it to me. It's like, you know, fuck yeah, off. You didn't read blind print or whatever. Yeah. Like, fuck you. Like, that's not how that works. <laughs> it's unique for me. Like, I'm going to be spending all week producing the document from the, my experience of the, the races this, this past three days, you know? So... And I, I do, I dwell, I, like, I, I put a lot of time into post-production, developing the document, you know, yeah, it's digital, yeah, I'm staring and clicking, but, like, it is a digital dark room. like, I'm, I go in and I look at almost every single picture that I took, and I want to maximize the information there and make it pop, you know, like, you're calibrating a telescope and you're, and then, all right, there it is, and each like it's it's the way I work and it's what I want to do with my life like I I left my I left my job in July and so like I'm really being like I'm committed to making this work right now for the time being and we'll we'll see (laughs) we'll see what happens after the season's over but like I, I I think what I'm doing is the content is 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 justifies itself and it's just about developing the right relationships, making the right connections and generating opportunity out of those elements. And I have faith right now because what's really giving me the faith are the fans and the people who are coming up to me and telling me, you know, you, you, you capture the spirit, you know, you, you, the, the essence of the experience is there, you know, and, and that is something that I, I've never been great at compliments because I'm always aspiring to be better at what I'm doing. Like I'm never like the thing about potential is that it's always more than what you are. And so I'm, I'm always there, you know, but I, I really, I've decided, well, I just realized it's a disservice to the, to the people around you or to give you a compliment and you're like, yeah, it's not good enough. No, it is. And it, it's meaningful. And this is our story. This is the story of grassroots stock car racing in America. And there are very few people who immerse themselves as, 
as intensely and as personally as I do. You know, like I, like the difference between between what I do and I think what a lot of other photographers do is they shoot from the outside in, and I'm shooting from the inside out. Like I really immerse myself into where I am and I'm meeting the people and I'm hanging out. It's one of the reasons I shoot so much from the hip because I don't want to interrupt what I'm doing to take a picture. So I will continue being engaged <laughs> with whoever I'm around and I, you know, I'll see something out of the corner of my eye and I'll just shoot from the hip. And if I get it, I get it, <laughs> yeah. you know, but that's, that's how that's like, you know, I don't think you can call it a technique, but that's sort of, that's my angle, you know, and it's just, it's really interesting what ends up coming out because it, it's a true story. Yeah. And, and, and it paints a different story. It's like, it's not, it's, it's not scripted. It's, it's something that's natural. Whereas, you know, a lot of people, a lot of things, um, you know, there are certain pictures where, you know, we see the camera and we all wave and stuff, but there's, there's more often than not, you're just capturing something that's natural and in the moment that, that no one else is really doing. And I think that's what catches everyone's eye is that they, they see it and they're like, wow, that's different. Um, and, you know, I hope that this does become something that you can do because you're obviously clearly passionate about it and very good at it. Um, and, you know, there's, people can buy digital downloads, you know, as much as they want, but then you have them, digital downloads are cool because, you know, you get the, get the photo on your phone and you can show it to whoever, whenever it's very accessible, but how many pictures do people usually have in their phone, you know, thousands and thousands. So I, I like to get, and I'm trying to start collecting some prints from, you know, moments where, where we've been as Thompson on the wall earlier this year, there's Stafford earlier this year on the wall, there's, there's Oxford 250 prints that are now uh, sitting on the couch waiting for, for a frame. There's uh there's pictures from Beechridge and, and there's all these moments that are, if you, if you get them printed out, do you buy a print from Daniel Eugene here and help him, you know, achieve his dream? You also now have this, this wall decor that you're going to walk by every day and be like, that's, that's why I'm up this morning. Cause I get to do that on the weekend. And that's, that's what I look forward to. And those are, you know, those are also my, my best friends and, you know, like I look at the party, like we just had Justin Bonsier on. He was talking about how the party at Stafford was like a whole different. Justin, he, he, was, he was nice and turnt at Stafford. I'm <laughs> he, he was, was talking, no pain. He was talking about how it was like a whole different world at that party. And you know what kind of sucks? He didn't know about that party. No. I told him. I was like, Justin, you going to go to the bonfire? I'm like, the real question is, no clubhouse, you know, because this is also the first time that the Whale Modified Tour, well, it's not the first time somebody enlightened me, but in many, many years that it, it's not taken place at Thompson Motor Speedway at the World Series. Yeah. So I said, Justin, the real real question is where are you going to be selling? Oh, he'll be, he was like, yeah, we have the flyer down by the end. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Big green party bus, <laughs> bulletproof, live band, yeah. big bonfire, big congregation of your your people you know like that's what it's all about and he's like all right cool and then i went down in victory lane and he was there and what commotion that was i can't even the photographers were so mad because there was so much energy going on like everybody was so excited they couldn't get their like buttoned up picture you know yeah. people kept encroaching in and stuff and like there was some tempers going on and i was like they're like get out of the way i was like everybody get in the way hey <laughs> come on get in there you know like everybody's so happy right now like you're gonna you know it's happy whatever 
But I said, and then I'm like, all right, I got to get out of here. So I was like, Justin, Big Green Party Bus, Bonfire. And he's like, you know it. Great to see him show up. But what I was, was going to say is he was saying it was like a different world. And I look at the picture from the spring sizzler and I think that the party was even bigger then. So it just gives us more of a reason to come back in the spring and do it all over again. But yeah, yeah, was, it was it was a good it was a good time. That was some good. It was good racing too. Good times, good racing. I think well earned. There was there was nine champion nine NASCAR championships in the top two in that tour race. Kobe put on a really good show. Couldn't pull it off in the end. I was, I, I you know it's it Justin. Kobe can't win. I go well. I go for pit cat too. He had a really terrible pit stop, and he was putting on a show. Yeah, but um, it was all. It was good, man. It was good, and it's. I mean, where else? What other sport where you you go and you are celebrating your heroes? You know, who are out there doing an extraordinary thing in unbelievable machinery. You know, it's like literally worship it, like the highest form of worship of the combustion engine, like. You know, and it's all play. You go in circles. Oh, you watch cars go in circles. Yeah. What's the point? The point is play. It's like it's like divine. You know what I mean? So where else can you go? And then you're hanging out afterwards and the champion comes over and cracks one with you and is and you're celebrating with a NASCAR champion rubbing elbows like that is I'm going to goosebumps just talking about it because that is so unique. And so special and one of like the most extraordinary things about about our sport, about our racing. So good times. I, I think I think <laughs> still recovering. I, I think the key word to what you're trying to say or what we've all been trying to say is organic. Uh, yeah. everything everything that we try to do or try to encapsulate, whether it's with your pictures or, or these shows, it's it's just the organic nature of being at the racetrack with your pals and doing doing something that you're all there for the same reason to do um you know all too often you know whether it's at college or whatever you know sure you went to a cool college you know boston boston college or whatever but everybody's there for a different reason everybody's there to get different degrees or or a different mindset or go on a different career path but if you go to a racetrack and you're watching a nascar wheel and modified tour race everybody's there for the same reason Everybody on that racetrack is there for the same reason, whether it's to win the race or the championship or get a trophy or, you know, whatever it is, everybody is there for the same reason. And it's, it's the same set of reasons that brings our gaggle to places or, or as Bobby called it, our, our traveling series of humans. And it's, yes. it's, it's so important to be able to a motley crew. Yeah. It's so important to be able to, to tell that story and, we, we love you very much for doing that. It, what you do is important. Um, people who do the same thing as you, whether it's on the, you know, doing race cars or, or anything really photographers are, are going through or have been going through something that in, in my opinion is, is wrong. Um, it's, it's, it should not be status quo for your media credential to just be it um there there should be more to that and i think that you guys need to be celebrated and and shown shown the right way of, of how to conduct business and uh, i think what you do is very important and i we're here to help in any way that we can and uh, 
you know, it's, it's, it's all about, it's all about communities and helping out your pals. And, you know, I'd, I'd rather spend $10 more down the street for my friend to change my oil than to, to go to a dealership. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's those types of things that are important. And then that's what keeps hopefully more race or less racetracks from shutting down. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, we got to take care of our own is one of the things too, you know? Yeah. I mean, and one of the, one of the coolest things that we've done so far is, you know, we're sitting in the Beach Ridge parking lot and you had absolutely zero intentions of going to the Oxford 250. Zero. And I knew, no, I know. I, I wanted to, it was on the radar. I mean, just resources are, you know. <laughs> and, and you had said, you know, you, you were interested and you're like, no, you're going, you're not listening. You're going to the Oxford 250. And we that was said, a fateful oh. moment. What's that? That was a fateful moment after... Uh, a 12 rack a Miller light and three o'clock in the morning. See fate is still happening. <laughs> Good things still happen sometimes. <laughs> we, were like, the night. we were like, what would you need to come up? And you, you threw out what you needed and we made it happen instantly. And now we have that whole thing forever Yeah, because of you. And that's away, the shit yeah. that's important. That stuff never, ever goes away. And yeah. Driving around in the back of a pickup truck with strangers and race car drivers and new friends and i mean and just popping off and well there's a fire let's ooh something shiny let's go check <laughs> out shiny and warm like let's introduce ourselves <laughs> like a ton of bricks yeah. and i'm like wow <laughs> yeah. what a what a what a who i mean I, I thrive on experience you know like experience makes the document valuable you know but, like you can take a great picture Great, but like if you're surrounding yourself with extraordinary experiences and extraordinary people who are really about living vitally and you know life, yes, 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 you know, like that is it. I am so privileged to be a witness to that, and you know, I just I click I click the camera, and it's it's such a you know, it, it, I don't I really don't have to do much. Cause it's okay. there and you, yeah. you guys do create a, you create a really, it's like, it's, you know, it's like, uh, it's like religious. <laughs> it's holy. I don't, I don't know if we'd mix religious in with what we do, but holy. Yeah, we, it's we, holy. So much, we so much as walk into a church and we're going to catch on fire. But so like, like what you said though, <laughs> we, we kind of like create, I guess that I didn't even realize it until about right now, but like just looking, cause I, one of the pictures that I got printed out was that truck picture with all of us in the bed of the truck, just kind of going around on tour Sunday night of the Oxa 250, a night where nothing usually happens at all. But what it, that happened, be, I would think because we got our community, our, what did Bobby call it? The traveling series of humans. Yeah. We got, we got a traveling tour, touring series of humans. Yeah. yeah. A touring <laughs> series of humans. And you know, I don't, I don't think that, uh, for like our newest good pal, Steven Nassi. I don't think that if, if we had not had that group of people together, maybe he would have just gone back to the hotel. Maybe, I don't know that there was another, there was no one else doing what we were doing basically. And looking back on his weekend, I'm sure that he looks back and he's like, well, I didn't make the race. Well, if he just had that, uh, I didn't make the race. Well, now that his whole weekend sucked. He didn't have a good time, whatever. But I, I, there was no one else in the bed of a truck at two in the, in the morning driving around the Oxford pit area or camping lot like just making new friends and kind of just i don't know giving off that sort of 
energy, I guess. Like it was, it was like it was, the 250 Sunday is kind of like a dead area, get like dead time. And we kind of livened it up, I think, a little bit, which was cool. It was, it was good. It was just, it was just fun to have everyone, all of us like minded folk who are, are all, you know, friendly friends or whatever, just all having a good time. Absolutely. And you, and Absolutely. you, and your, and your photos capture that whole moment and the photos live on forever. So that's great. Yeah. And it's, it's public consumption. I mean, it's all free and accessible on my website, which is Daniel Eugene.pixpa.com. And I'm archiving everything there. So it's, I'm literally creating, you know, I mean, I want the archive to be accessible to everybody. You know, it's there and it's valuable as a history. That's not just mine or yours, but it's ours. It's our shared experience. And you know, I want it to belong to all of us. So that's like another element of, I just need a sponsor. I just need a sponsor. I need like, you know, there's, I think, I think we're going to develop a new model. I think is what we need. We need just like a new model. The old model is not what fits anymore. There's, it's a new era. It's a new thing going on. Things are changing. So you, you need to be paid for your services. And and I think that the product is changing. As you said, it used to be just go to a Smugbug page, I give you a dollar, I get the download, and then I post it wherever I want. That that doesn't work anymore. And you need to be paid for your time and services to create you know, these albums and, and plaster it all over the place to help promote these racetracks. So anybody listening, get your head out of your ass. Your media credential is not enough. Just taking a picture of your racetrack doesn't make it your property. Eat my fucking ass. I don't care what the law says. I don't care what the page says. I don't care what the words say. Fuck off. Pay these people that are here to love the sport, love your racetrack, and, <laughs> and, and, and support you. You know, quit being dickbags. That's the only thing. I don't want to go back to waiting tables. Um, but you know, it, it's important, though, because you guys do a, 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 a huge service to the entire racing community, and it needs to be celebrated and, and paid for appropriately. So yeah, um, we, do, we do thank you. We do love you very much. We're so happy that we met you a year ago uh, this weekend. And you know, keep doing you, man. Just fuck everybody else. Keep doing you. Just like we're gonna keep doing us, and um, like I said, you, you're you're important, and and you're a vital piece to all of this and what we're doing, and and you're you're under the BFP umbrella now. So, uh, yeah, right thank on. you, thank you for all of that. It's 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 a very great thing, and I'm grateful. You guys are special special people. So, hopefully, our parallel lines will both be elevated at the same time. You know, well, we are ascending. Our yeah. stars are aligning. It's yeah. gonna happen. We're 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 smart and we're cute. So <laughs> I don't and our content, it's not like we're trying to sell shit and call it gold, you know. It's proof is in the pudding, as they say, although I never understood why anybody would say that. But yeah. you, know, you know what I'm saying. I've eaten a lot of pudding and I've yet to find the truth. But uh, no, thank you. Thank you for donating your time here tonight. Um, yeah, I, so, I, I hope at I hope at the end of this, people know who Daniel Eugene is a little bit more than they did at the beginning. Um, again, yeah. you're a special human. We we love you, and and we're gonna keep doing this and rocking the shit out of it. And yeah, you know, we're we're going places, pal. So just keep your head down, keep doing what you're doing, and uh, it's gonna be a time. Yeah, I'll see you at the World Series. Sounds oh yeah. Good. All right, so uh, that's Daniel Eugene. Uh, obviously, a very very incredible human. Uh, very very important uh what he's doing and what we're all trying to do here together under the bfp umbrella um that being said a little bit of housekeeping here uh 
Where in the world will BFP be this weekend? Do we have any plans? I'll be at Thunder Road on Friday and Saturday, and then uh, making a stop at Lee on the way back through, uh, back to Maine. Yes. Um, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing yet. I don't know if I have a wedding, which wedding to go to or, or what I'm, what I'm doing or racetracks or something or modifieds or I don't know. Um, so it might be broken up the weekend this weekend. Um, couple things too. Uh, if anybody hasn't heard it yet, there's an audio file, uh, that Andy Austin has put out for Beechridge. Uh, that is incredible. Dan Collins has matched that up with some photos. Uh, so if you're looking to cry, uh, have a nice cry, uh, go over to his Facebook page, take a look at that. Um, but, uh, that being said, this has been episode 134, uh, number 34, Spencer Morris. Mm, Jake Vaughn. Uh, Michael McDowell. Mm-hmm. Wendell Scott. J.B. Fortin. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Whoa, I should have known that one. Uh, oops. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure we'll get yelled at. We always do. But uh, no, this is uh, this has been a good show, I think. This has been a really good show. I've, I'm, I'm proud of this one. Uh, having Justin Bonsignor and Daniel Eugene on, it's, uh, it's been a very well-rounded show. Um, and, uh, well... I think that uh, this has been it. Uh, so, welcome again to the Black Flag Podcast. If you haven't checked on us or checked us, wow, holy shit, checked us out on the Patreon app, do that. Uh, get some get some merch, uh, however it is that you want to, and uh, we'll uh, see you next Tuesday. Race car, race car. Here we go, race car. Yeah.